The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 274 for Wednesday, February 18th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling portion airs every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, and our gaming and entertainment version airs every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. As always, My Take Radio has strong language, so please, listener and viewer discretion is advised. All right, so we're going to get the ball rolling. We got a lot to discuss. Of course, we are coming off of Toy Fair which we covered this past weekend, um, a very um, interesting, very productive, and very awesome day overall. It had its ups and downs. It had its fair share of uh, stressful and agitating situations. But overall, I felt we had a very, very strong showing. Um, One of the things I wanted to try and do more of was video. Unfortunately, just the environment did not prove conducive to get more video content out there most of the stuff that we did share on social media was about the fullest extent of video that we did we did take over 2,000 photos between all of us so that was definitely one of the high points we got to see a lot of great stuff from a lot of amazing companies a lot of awesome collectibles if if you have small children that are just into you know superheroes and comics and not even and not even that to an extent, but just that are just fans of whatever products are on TV. There's so many great things on the horizon for them. Uh, just great electronic toys, great educational toys. But for the adult collector like yours truly and the, and the majority of our listeners, there was just a lot of awesome, awesome stuff. Great companies, NECA, Mezco, um, Kotobukiya, um McFarlane Toys, of course. Diamond had some really cool stuff. DC had an amazing booth full of tremendous stuff. So many awesome companies were just killing it. And um, 
you've probably seen our photos already available on you know our Facebook fan page, and of course we're putting them up gradually on mytakeradio.com. Uh, one of the high points was getting to meet uh, the guy, the crew from Mattel, and seeing so many awesome WWE figures and a lot of awesome stuff from He-Man. Which, of course, if you're an '80s baby like myself, you know that the He-Man figures have been something that have retained their value and have been remastered time and time again. Of course, you got the originals. Then you have the ones based on the second He-Man series. And then you have the newer figures with the new design based on the newer animated series, which are tremendous. Um, We got some really cool stuff that we're going to give away over the next couple of days. I'm going to keep it under my hat for now. But if you are a um, a Masters of the Universe fan, you're going to like what we're going to be giving away. And if you're a Halo fan, we're going to be giving away some really awesome stuff, too. Um, we also have an announcement, which I hope to probably share with you guys, uh, maybe next week or the week after regarding an advertising partner that is going to be working with us. We're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff, a lot of awesome giveaways, and it's just, it's just going to take my take radio and rage works to the next level. Um, we're going to get a little bit more into what went down on toy fair tomorrow, uh, just because I want to share some stuff regarding the McFarland booth. And I feel that's more in line with our entertainment content for tomorrow. So we're definitely going to get into that. Um, I will say I did get to sit down with Todd McFarlane briefly and have like a legit person to person conversation. Not some not some canned interview with canned responses. And he shared some really cool stuff with me, which, you know, I want to definitely let you guys know about just because it was so cool. Uh, probably one of the, the highlights of of my day. Like I said, hardcore mark out moment. And, um, you know, it made it made the sacrifice of Valentine's Day with my wife a little easier to stomach. Um, but of course, you know, my wife is a trooper. She went with me and uh, she endured two days of walking and um, just, uh, you know, a crazy commute with really crazy weather um, to to I see Ben ask, uh, did you get some spawn stuff? No, I did not. But what I am giving away is going to it's going to blow your blow your mind when you guys see what I'm giving away because the, what I'm giving away from Mattel, I'm going to tell you guys right now, is so exclusive that it's not even on their site. This is how serious this is. It is ridiculous, and we're going to make sure to do a contest that's worthy of this particular item because as, as an 80s baby, you know, I was like, damn, you know, th- this would be really cool to keep, but I know that you guys, there's so many of you guys that are, that are incredibly supportive, um, you know, really holding it down. And I, I want to make sure you guys get, get get to reap the rewards. So um, be on the lookout for that. Like I said, we're going to get into that a little bit during the entertainment show uh, tomorrow night. So be on the lookout for that. As for the advertising partner, um, that's going to be a cool announcement. And it's really going to take things to the other level. Uh, yes, the, it is, oh, the contest will be open to everyone staff included, given the fact that this was given, um, you know, this was given as a whole with no particular, there was no particular motivation. So anybody can enter and I am going to, I am going to open it to the staff as well in this instance. But like I said, it is going to be random. So, you know, you got to, you got to be in it to win it and um, definitely want you guys to let everybody else know that's down with it to, um, to enter this contest once it goes live. Um, The other thing I did want to talk about and um, this is a little interesting. 
is that we've I've been researching new um, video solutions for video streaming. Um, there are some there are some options on deck. Um, I was testing out YouTube Live earlier today, and um, it looks incredibly promising as a um, an alternative. I'm just concerned that you know if we got to play certain things or certain sound clips that YouTube is going to get pissed off about it, but we're going to take it as it goes, but it's something that I'm probably going to continue testing behind the scenes for another couple of days. And um, who knows, maybe we'll do a trial show as we get closer to MTR 300, which um, I do want to talk about that as well in a moment, but um, we are going to test out YouTube live and see how that goes. Ustream look like a, like a solid possibility, but a lot of people were saying that Ustream actually interrupts broadcast while they're in progress to play advertising so that's a that's a little bit of a distraction especially if you know we're in the middle of a really cool segment and a commercial comes through i'm sure there's going to be a paid tier to avoid those instances but as of right now that's one of the reasons why i'm not messing with Ustream. um somebody asked if i was interested in putting the show on twitch i thought about it but i feel that the gaming content while it definitely is a big part of Thursday's show, I do think that people may have issue if I did Wednesday's show on Twitch because obviously not gaming related in the least. But again, you know, I've been hearing different uh, different responses about that. So I'm going to research that a little further. But there are definitely other solutions that we are looking for from the uh, the gaming, the you know, the, the video platform just as another alternative. Also. As you may have noticed, we got a brand new podcast that joined us, joined, joined the, uh, the MTR Rageworks family. That's Ben's uh, Black is the New Black with him and Taylor. Um, they've really been killing it. Uh, they put out their first show uh, last week, and the numbers have been tremendous. Um, definitely proud of those guys. They came in. You know, Ben is very, um, you know, very receptive really on his game and they're they're picking it up they're they're getting through a lot of hurdles they're starting to figure out a formula that works and i gotta tell you guys definitely give them a listen if you're a fan of you know hip-hop uh pop culture comics sports you want to talk some tv you know you want to go in there and and clown around with those guys they really do a solid job and you know it's real easy for me to say it's it's um it's pop culture with an urban edge but that's so PC and so stupid to use that I'm just not going to say that. If you like what we do and you enjoy how, how, how I give you guys the show, Ben and Taylor, um, they definitely keep it 100 and they really do a great job. And, you know, I, I can't stress enough. Definitely give them your support. Check them out. Um, we all grow together and, um, you know, we do what we got to do, but definitely proud, proud of Taylor and Ben for what they've done so far. They came out of the gate swinging and um, they just did their latest show earlier this evening, which I'm going to edit before I um, I share it with you guys. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, probably, if not available by tomorrow, it definitely should be ready for consumption by Friday. Um, you can Ben's probably going to be joining me also because MMA this week is just a clusterfuck of insanity. And I definitely want to get into that, um, of course. We're going to talk about the Nevada State Athletic Commission hearing. We're going to talk about the UFC's brand new, very, very aggressive stance on performance enhancing drugs. And they're really looking to uh, kind of level the playing field. We'll see how that goes. There's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda there. 
And, um, you know, it's something that is not going to be instituted for at least till July, conveniently when the Reebok deal takes effect. So um, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about this past weekend's card. Um, I kind of want to touch a little bit on what went down with Bellator and, um, you know, just some of the other cards on deck on the wrestling side of things. Of course, you know, I got to talk about Raw. We're going to get a little bit into WWE Fastlane. We are going to talk about the release of, well, correction. We're going to talk about the uh, departure of Samoa Joe from TNA. And um, that's a huge story. There's so many implications with regards to where Samoa Joe can go and what impact he can have on any other promotion. Um, I think Samoa Joe is one of the best workers in the game. I know a lot of guys, um, I had a debate with a couple of guys today talking about Samoa Joe's just a big spot guy. And I totally disagree. You're talking about a guy that's, you know, in the 280s, 300-pound mark, moves like a cruiserweight, has a uh, tremendous strong style background, brings some just real aggressive offense to the table, and we definitely want to get into that as well. As always, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. If you missed tonight's broadcast, it will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, video versions will be available on both our RageWorks and My Take Radio YouTube channels. All right, so of course it's uh, super cold here in New York City. It is pretty much sub-zero Hoth weather over here. Had uh, had a pipe break in my house before we went live today, so um, that was some fun stuff. So if I'm a little I- irritable, it uh, usually makes for a good show, so definitely don't mind me. But um, with that said, let's get this ball rolling Let's talk some MMA because, man, oh, man, there's a lot of shit going on. Let's do this. As always, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. If you're a mixed martial artist or just a fan of the sport in general and want to pick up some tees, if you're a mixed martial artist, of course, if you want to get some training gear, rash guards, gloves, um, official fighter merch, definitely hit up our friends at MMAWarehouse.com. Of course, head over to RageWorks.net. Check out the promo codes and banners throughout the site. Of course, if you use those, it helps us out. Uh, They toss us a, 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 a couple of chips And um, everybody wins. Of course, we want to continue to give you guys the best product possible. So definitely make sure to check out our banners and also support our affiliates as well. All right. So as I said, we had a really, really crazy uh, week of mixed martial arts news. This actually makes up for last week when things were definitely on the quiet side. Of course, this week, um, Nevada State Athletic Commission hearings for Lombard, um, Nick Diaz, Anderson Silva, and then, of course, the UFC did their huge announcement uh, earlier today. And let me tell you, as a fan of mixed martial arts, we truly, truly are in a stagnant, stagnant state of, of, of affairs. And like anything else, even cyclical as it is, it definitely, in my opinion, is really, really flat right now. That's not to say that the sport is shitty, but it's just to say that things aren't uh, at that stage of the game where you want to just jump out and buy every pay-per-view and, and you know, try and check out every card. Um, it's making us very selective. It's making us choose 
um, and put some thought into which cards we want to support. And again, you know, I talked about this last week. The parallels between wrestling and mixed martial arts are... uh, Wow, that was totally unexpected. The parallels between mixed martial arts and professional wrestling used to be a line, and I talked about this with a good friend of mine yesterday. The line used to be like this. This was the parallel between mixed martial arts and wrestling. This was how big the gap was. Over the last couple of years, that gap has become smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where, in essence, the line is totally blurred between mixed martial arts and professional wrestling. They each borrow elements from each other. They each try and and run things like the big corporate machine. Everything is PC. Everything is by the book. You know, it's it's, it's a lot of corporate culture influencing the sport. And with that, it's sometimes it I it to an extent I think it's changed the sport for the worse. I definitely want to get into that with Ben. Um, Slick just informed me he is on the line, so let me bring him on because um, you know, I definitely want to get the ball rolling with that bit of discussion first. Big Ben, what's up? What's up, man? Dude, you know we you and I we've done this we've done this dance for for a while now and um. I don't know. Over the last week or two, I just feel that the sport, I don't want to say the sport's on life support because that's stupid to say, but I do want to say that the sport is just real, real casual right now. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not aggressively jumping out of your skin to try and find every card and follow every fight because the sport itself between the oversaturation and the reason I say that you got World Series of Fighting, you got Bellator, you got the UFC, you got Glory putting on cards every Friday night, you know, every Friday, Saturday and Sunday, somebody got a card going on. And while I do love that, I do feel that it's a lot of sensory overload with regards to the sport. Like every channel you flip to, something's going on. And then, of course, the mainstreaming of the UFC makes it that everything is just, you know, well, let me rephrase that. The mainstreaming of the UFC by way of Ronda Rousey and, you know, being naked in Sports Illustrated, you know, that that's uh, that's the real driving force here. But um, I do I do want to talk about before we get into this past weekend's fight. Did you hear about um, Paige Van Zandt getting uh, a Reebok deal? Yeah, um, I, I don't want to say anything negative about her because this is not of her doing like it's not right. her fault mm-hmm. that she's attractive but but the fact that <laughs> you don't give carla Esparza the champion good. of said division Very good. and she's not and, and the thing with Paige van zandt is she's not even dude she got two fights six or seven dude she got two fights in the oh, cage like, <laughs> yeah and and she's also probably not as good as they think she like she's not beating Joanna Johannesburg. I, I'm probably gonna fuck up her last name, but she ain't beating Joanna. What's her name? The one that's trying to call her sponsor. Yeah, she's not beating. She's not beating Rose Namajunas. Like she, she, she's good, but she's not. Well, she's supposed to be it, fighting really Felice Herrig. She might lose to Felice Herrig. Like <laughs> Felice Herrig can fight. Like, this is true. Like she's been doing this a while. Like it's 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 interesting to me. Like you give her this deal when you have a champion who, you know, I mean, Carla Esparza doesn't look as good, I guess, as Paige Van Zandt, but she's still the champion. Like this is she, true. like the first person that should get the rebound deal in that division is the champion, in my opinion. But I, you know, good good for Paige Van Zandt. I can't you know say anything negative about her. Right. 
but here's the here's the funny thing. You know who else doesn't have a Reebok deal? Cain Velasquez. You know who else doesn't have a Reebok deal? Demetrius Johnson. You know who else doesn't have a Reebok deal? Jose Aldo. <laughs> shall, shall I continue? How does Jose Aldo not well, have a deal him, though, and his opponent does? Well, well, the thing with all the champions. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's ridiculous too. But the thing with all the champions, though, is they're eventually going to get their personal rebuttal. Like, right. Kane, you know Kane, when he comes back, he's going to have a personal deal. Hell, Jose might have his by the time he comes back and fights. But like all the champions are going to get their own personal right. Reebok deal. So I'm, I'm not super offended by that now. Demetrius Johnson should get all of the sponsorships. He might be the best fighter in the UFC that nobody cares about because he's five foot three. Well, you know like what I've heard. Maybe no, go ahead. Like, no, nah, I'll let you finish, guy, brother. No, nah, I've just heard dudes be like, "Oh, I can whoop his ass because he's small." Like, no, you, you really couldn't. You, you really you can't. Really could not. Well, you know what it is? I went last week when I did the show, I talked about that him and T he he reached out to TJ Dillashaw and he's like, "Yo, you want to do this super fight, man? We t- we see if Dana gives us 2 million dollars." And then they were, they were like, "Well, you know, we could probably do it for a mil." And I just thought about it and I'm like, "Yo, it's crazy that the dude's got to try and get in the driver's seat to even make a super fight happen. Not to say that we need one or want one, but you get what I'm saying? Like, these guys are going into business for themselves because the, statistically, they got nobody to fight. Like, Henan Burrell fighting TJ Dillashaw, yeah, great. You know, it's going to happen. But is it mm-hmm. a fight that's going to, quote-unquote, move the proverbial needle? No. Hate to say it, but the big no. thing. Well, the big thing with 135 is it just seems there's, like, no real prospects right now at that division. Like it's like they have no young up and coming fighters in, right. in in that division. And at one twenty five, it's such a new division, and Demetrius Johnson is so good that it kind of puts them in this weird position where like, okay, well he's beat the second and third best fighter in this division, so we we but he still has to defend this belt. So we got to shoot up guys like uh, Kyoji Horiguchi, who is good, but he's not ready for Demetrius Johnson. Well, and you know, you, you got to fast track these guys because there's no one else for him to fight. Well, he would. You saw that he. I'm, uh, you may have seen the 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 clip where he was like, "Yo, even though John Lineker didn't make weight, I'd fight that dude," because that's where we're at. Like yeah. that's how crazy it is right now that the dude is like, "Yo, I'll fight him." Fuck it, he's overweight. I whoop his ass. You know, it's like this is what it's come to. And, yeah, he was. <laughs> you know, and 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 the reason yeah, I, like... I broke out the Reebok deal isn't so much because of you know, Paige Van Zandt getting the deal. But I just like that Dana White, dude, it didn't even take, uh, it didn't, it didn't even take two hours for him to be like, yeah, well, you know, she's a unique personality. That's just old man speak for she hot as fuck. And, you know, I'm trying, yeah, I'm like, trying I, to get I, that out. Like, we haven't seen enough of her to be like, she's a unique personality. Right. Like, and, I haven't, I've seen that one interview, that one scrum she did the same, cause it was the same. I think uh, it was part of the same video package. With that Demetrius Johnson interview we were just talking about. Right. Where she was talking to people. Like, that was the only time I've ever seen her speak. Well, the thing that's is, it. I saw her fight, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what gets me? It's like, you know, D- Big da- Daddy Dana doesn't come out to defend cats, but, you know, oh, no, you know, she's a unique personality. Really? You know? Why, why, why weren't you like that with some of these other dudes on the come up, you know? But again, it's it's talking about the picking and choosing, and, and uh, an MMA site put out an article today about the uh, the double standard between quote unquote marketable fighters 
non-marketable fighters and, you know, fighters who have to pretty much self-promote. And it was funny because they were talking about the parallels for a guy like Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez is probably, without a doubt, the most dangerous human being on this planet. You know what I mean? Like, this is a mm-hmm. guy, he loses the belt, comes back, mauls the guy that he lost the belt to, obliterates a guy, you know, Easter Island head, you know, Bigfoot Silva, just <laughs> detonates that guy, detonates that guy's dome on pay-per-view. And, and it's just like, yeah, you know, he he's going to fight Verdum and Verdum's chilling. But it's just like, Verdum is going to get cracked over the head too and it's it's game over, you know? Yeah, I mean, Cain Velasquez is, if he can stay healthy, probably way better than every other heavyweight. Thank like you. Just, just way, way better than every other heavyweight. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's just I, the Reebok deal, it disturbed me because you know what's happening? You're creating resentment among your own fighters. Like, I'm curious. I'd like to know what what's Reebok's criteria, like, to, to establish for a deal, you know, because... Uh, like, you know, does it come from the UFC? Like, do they go, hey, listen, what do you think of this this fighter? Does the UFC co-sign that deal? You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I'd love to know the I'm, inner I'm workings guessing, of that. I'm guessing it has something to do with the UFC. Because, like, Reebok, my, my thoughts on what Reebok wants out of this, Reebok just sees an opportunity to get their apparel out there. Like, I don't think Reebok, I think Reebok cares but I don't think they care as much as some people do. Like, I don't think Reebok is really out here scouting people nope. <laughs> to, to sponsor. And I think a lot of it has to do with who the UFC is like, well, we kind of we kind of want to pay them more because they're interesting. So how about you, you go ahead and sign them to a Reebok deal because it's another way for us to pay them uh, without telling the commission exactly how much we gave them. Right. And that's that's what gets me. It's like it's like I just want to know, like, how that's established. Like I said, they just sit there and they go, yo, you know, like like Carla Sparza was just like, yeah, you know, it's all good. You know, I'm the I'm the champ. You know, Reebok may not want to. And, and, you know, from a from a market marketability standpoint, it's like these guys and and we you and I talked about this, you know, they take the they take the the Mm. seminar, the UFC puts out the big seminar. Yo, you guys are going to come in. And you're going to learn how to operate social media and you're going to learn how to do all this and you're going to learn how to do all that. And it amuses me because it's essentially the UFC telling them, yeah, you're just going to do your own PR. You're just going to go out there and, and, and do what you got to do. And, um, you know, it'll be all right. We'll just we'll just collect the chips off your body. And, you know, it was a, a discussion me and a buddy of mine had yesterday about, you know, just the corporate culture and and, you know, trying to put labels and pretty faces on everything. And I thought about that afterwards as i was reading more about the reebok deal and it's no more apparent than that you know it's like it's like yo carlos Bar- you know carlos bars is a cute chick you know the the may does she look like you know maybe she she you know she, she she works in a bodega maybe but that doesn't take away from the fact that she probably whooped my ass you know you know what i'm saying like and, and I, but but you get you get where i'm coming from right like like it's just you know it's suspect the way that that goes down you know what i mean like uh you know the you're trying to put a mm-hmm. face a face on the organization like you know you're gonna put ronda in that category uh, you know you're gonna put you know you're gonna put um conor mcgregor in that category you, you see what i'm saying and it's not even a and i'm not even talking race i'm just talking about marketing you know what i mean 
Yeah, I mean, John Jones is in that category. There you which go. Which is strange because John Jones has done everything to alienate himself yeah, well, in that category, but, but he's but, still <laughs> technically in that category. <laughs> no, well, in John Jones's case, I you know what I've realized? I think John Jones just sabotages himself because he hates that shit. Like, he doesn't, like, he wants the dough, but the dude doesn't want the bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it's like what Nick Diaz does, but not as destructive. You get what I'm saying? Um, I can, I can see that. Also, I think a lot of it, like, is he got really rich, really young. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a way that kind of inflates your ego. When you got rich off the fact that you can beat another man to death. Like, <laughs> that's what, what made you rich. Like my ego would be terrible. Yep. Right? I'm, so I'm pretty sure, like he at times has this invincibility thing about himself. Well, dude, and Ronda's in the same camp. Been asked a couple times. Ronda's in the same camp, mm-hmm. dude. Th- think about it. Ronda, right now, she does interviews and she's just like, "Yeah, I'm good." You know, like it's like, "Oh, are you worried about?" Nope. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, that's great. The confidence is fantastic, but it's just like. Like, you just look at the interviews. It's like, yeah, you know, you're getting in there with Kazangano, and she's like, yeah, Kazangano's probably going to be a bit more of a challenge. But she knows Kazangano's not coming in there. You know, Kazangano, a great example, is a chick that had all this hardship, all this stuff going on. She's not trying to go out there and look cute. You know what I mean? Like, it's part of the job, but you see she's not trying. Dude, she's trying to go out there and, and bust somebody's dome, you know? Like, that's her job. Yeah. And, and and you see how it's being approached with with each of these fighters. And, you know, going back to the conversation me and, me and my buddy had yesterday, it was about the fact that, you know, you have exactly that, the marketability. You know, you go into UFC gym, you know, you're going to see Ronda Rousey up on the wall, Anderson Silva up on the wall, GSP up on the wall, you know, because that's how it works. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know why the fuck Dominic Cruz is up on the wall up there because if he is up on the wall, he should be wrapped up in a bandage. You should only see his eyes. Oh, man. Dominic <laughs> Cruz. Um, that's such a disappointment. He was such a great fight. <laughs> it's so disappointing. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. So, you, you know, I just feel that the, that, the, that the standard that they're trying to establish, the quote-unquote, you know, um, corporate atmosphere is hurting and like I said, you're 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 making fighters bitter with each other. Val said it in the chat. Dudes are going out there having glorified sparring sessions. You know, dudes aren't even trying yeah, to I fight hard. That far. <laughs> well, don't, dude. Some of those pay per view fights, you know, be suspect as shit. <laughs> well, I mean, the sixty dollar fights. Couple, I mean, the first couple pay per views this this year. I mean, outside of the John Jones one, which was a really good pay per view, uh, some of them have been kind of week i mean i'm gonna be honest but i want to go out and say that sparring matches but you know <laughs> yo just super casual and you know this leads me into fight night 60 you know i watched the fight night 60 card and it's just like decision 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 oh a kimura thank you <laughs> you know and then it's like after that kimura we got another decision and then it was just like oh my god it's like decision central out there you know well, but that th- fight night sixty car has some terrible fucking fights <laughs> on it. <laughs> and then you know, like 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 Neil Magny is is, is you know upper upper card. I mean, no disrespect to Neil Magny, but I'm like, dude, you 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 are opener on most of these cars. That's how you know there's too much MMA on fucking television. Hey, Neil Magny won six fights in a row. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, you can't you can't take that. I mean, I think I think they said he has a, like the longest besides um, longest active longest winning streak. streak. Yeah, I mean, he's won six fights in a row. I can't name a single person he's beat. There you go. But he's won six <laughs> fights in a row. There you go. And then you know, I thought Cole Miller and Max Holloway were gonna have a dope fight, and same thing, fucking decision. It wasn't until Benson Henderson went out there and nearly got obliterated by a giant. That I that I didn't really like 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 I didn't you know my eyes didn't perk up like I was watching like I had the fight playing in the background and you know I'd, I'd I'd look you know I'd look away from my screen to see what was going on like all right and then you know I go and I rewatch it when Benson Henderson was fighting this dude it was like guy comes up and Benson Henderson looked like he was fighting Brock Lesnar <laughs> like yo what the fuck is going on like like I mean, am, I, I- am I watching Pride. <laughs> I mean, to be, I mean, like, I like the Max Holloway fight, but that's mostly because I like Max Holloway striking. Right. Like, I love watching him strike. Uh, he, I mean, Cole Miller had no chance against him, and Cole Miller bitching about those headbutts that were completely incidental. Uh, incidental uh, was just annoying. But, uh, yeah, Ben Henderson um, should not stay at welterweight. Um, <laughs> no. At all. No. Um, we, we talked about that. Brandon you were like, Thatch, nope. And Brent, yeah. <laughs> like, Brandon Thatch is a good prospect at yep. welterweight and he almost like he was hurting Ben Henderson a lot mm-hmm. and I think if Brandon Satch had more experience because um, if you go back and look at Brandon Satch's record like he's never been out the first round right like he's destroyed everybody in the first round and I think and you it was clear that like after the second round he was tired he's, he's just never been in those uh, those deeper waters I think if you had caught him after he had had a couple fights in those deeper waters that fight wouldn't have looked like that because he was clearly bigger stronger hit way harder than Ben Henderson. So him, like, calling out Roy McDonald, who, you know, got announced, excuse me, got announced for a fight, that fight wouldn't have gone well for him. Roy McDonald would have hurt Ben Henderson. Yeah, but ben you, Henderson is just, he, he's a really big lightweight, but he's a small welterweight. Well, you know what I like that Ben Henderson is doing? Ben Henderson realizes that, like, people that people go, people wild out for, like, guys like Cowboy Cerrone, you know, guys that just, you know, they sit by the phone, the phone rings, and it's like, it's like when, it's like the old 60s Batman cartoon when the red phone would ring and Batman would open up the head and turn the dial and slide down in his costume. That's, that's Donald Cerrone and some of these other guys. They just buy the phone, waiting. They run in, they run in a closet, come out in, in fight shorts and gloves, ready to spar and, and, and cut weight. Like, Benson Henderson's like, yo, I gotta be one of these dudes because right now, nobody's giving a fuck about me. Every time people talk about me, it's me getting kicked in the face by, by you know, by Showtime Pettis. Like, like think about that. Like, I like Benson Henderson. I, I feel he's a marketable guy. He's got a great look, uh, incredibly talented. Right. But you got to look at it like, like, dude, the only thing people associate you with is catching that kick to the dome and not being put to sleep by it. Like, think about that. Think about how they market it. Which is weird, like oh Benson Henderson's tremendous fighter, you know, blah blah blah. But to the casual fan, they'll be like, "Yo, wasn't that the dude that ate the kick off the cage?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. The thing with Ben Henderson is one, his fighting style changed once he got the belt. Yep, which I think hurt him a lot. Like he he got real, I won't say hesitant because he was never really hesitant, but he was real. He was far less aggressive because it was at one time Ben Henderson was out there trying to maul you. Yep. Like slam you all over the place, trying to rip your head off with guillotines. Just all over the place. And then like he won the belt 
and kind of was like, well, I, I want to keep this belt. So I'm going to fight in a fashion that I'm going to win. It's just not going to be super fun to watch. And I, I think that hurt him. And, it, you know, I, after losing to Rafael Dos Anjos and, and then losing the, to uh, Cerrone, he, he he needed to reinvent himself. I do not condone fighting with that toothpick in his mouth. That is stupid. But, Yo, that is a know, recipe um, for disaster. And it, it's like, dude, if you're trying to make that like a trademark, like, yo, I'm going to go in there with this. Too. It's like, you do realize one day <laughs> you're going to get caught in such a way that that toothpick is going through that cheek. Going through that cheek. Um, you know, get hit with that. Uh, nah, you, you get hit with something that, like, makes you swallow it. Yep. Uh, it's just, nah. Yeah, nah. And, 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 you know, it's like... Nah. And, and the thing that gets me is, you know, they put the mouth guard on before they walk in a cage and you open your mouth for the mouth guard. It's like, don't you see the toothpick in there before he goes in the cage? Like, I was thinking about that. I'm yeah, like, like, I don't <laughs> I'm like, yo, y'all really aren't doing a good job out there. Yeah. Like, how does he get that in there? Like, it just like y'all need to like they need to make sure he doesn't do that. Like, this is not that's not a good the idea. Um. Because, I mean, hell, you can get knocked out and your body does that weird knockout breathing and you swallow a toothpick. Like, yep. it's just not it's, it's not a good idea. But, I mean, good for him winning that fight. Um, I don't think he has any kind of future um, in, as a welterweight. But, it, you know, good. it was a great fight, though. All right. Well, looking at it like this, I mean, he called out Rory McDonald, whatever. Um, if he had to take another fight at 170, who would you who would you – who would you give him at this point? I mean, at 170, because of who he is, you can't just give him anybody. So, I mean, i give him somebody like, like I don't know, Eric Safadine? That would be a like good that. Like, you, cause you, Because you can't just give him a nobody because of who he is. So, you know, somebody like Eric Safadine or Tyrone Woodley or somebody like that. You know what's funny? Uh, uh, him and him and T Wood would probably have a, a a dope fight. Yeah, like um, yeah, um, if they if they engage, they, both their styles kind of lend themselves to not punching sometimes. Tyrone Woodley, <laughs> if he doesn't, if he doesn't like take your heart like early in the fight, he's kind of he's he's gonna stand around like look at you a lot <laughs> you know you know it's funny I, I i always felt that um and this was you know probably i would have given it i would have given ben henderson like josh koscheck that would have been that you know i wouldn't mind that fight or a uh a diego sanchez at 170 um you know there's a couple possible fights out there but when you start going into that upper water of the top five dudes at 170 there's there's, there's a lot of killers there a lot of bad dudes up there. Also, dudes that are really fucking big. Yeah, <laughs> Rory McDonald is huge. Uh, hell, uh, Johnny Hendricks, dude, Rory lumberjack. Huge. <laughs> lumberjack. Johnny Hendricks, fucking giant. <laughs> um, Robbie Lawler's really big. Like, either none of these dudes are small. Right. <laughs> like Brandon Thatch was big, but like Brandon, I mean, Brandon Thatch was really big too. I mean, he's a huge welterweight, but like, no, like, nah. <laughs> yeah, because it's like at 55, if he goes back down to 55, it's like, all right, there's a lot of good matches at 55, but it's like, 
what match are you going to give him that's worthy of not only a good pay-per-view fight, but also a fight that at least can put him back on the roadmap? Because that's the thing. You can't give him a dude. It almost feels like he's fought everybody down there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to give him anybody right now because you don't want him. He's not, unless um, Rafael, uh, well, hell, I guess, I guess unless Rafael DeFangelis beats um, Anthony Pettis, there's no way they're doing another Pettis. Uh, nope. Then here's the fight. Nope. Not, not anytime soon, anyway. Like, you, you can't. Like, yep. <laughs> the two times he lost to him, he jumped off the cage and kicked him in the face. The other time, he snapped his arm. Like, it's just, you can't just give him that fight right now. So, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know who you give him at 155, to be honest with you. If I had to give him a fight at 170, that's just and this is a fight just so just to see the poor guy get paid, I I'd make I'd make him GSP's first fight back. I mean, I would if though. GSP ever wants to come back? Nah, dude. Well, you know, you know what it is with GSP, and, and this is the and this is something that you know, given given what what went down at the hearing today, GSP just feels that. If he's going to go out there and quote unquote tarnish his legacy, he wants to tarnish his legacy against the guy that'll go out on his fucking shield. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to go fight a dude, he's clean, lose to a dude and then it comes out that the dude was on some shit cuz the L is an L at that point. Even if you even if they rule it a no contest, you lost, you know? He's like it, like mentally, mentally it it messes with you and and looking at GSP considering, you know, how 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 mental of a fighter he is, you know he's that you know you gotta you, this this entire announcement that the UFC did wasn't just for you know their own safety and everything else, but it's because they hope to entice him to come back. Yeah, I mean they they want yep. <laughs> him to come back. Do I ever? I don't ever think he's coming back though. Like I, I just, I just feel like George St. Pierre, and, and not because he's scared or any, nope. any bullshit like nope. that. I, I just think he's at the point that George St. Pierre was always the dude, always the dude that right. was not. He was going to get out before the sport got him. Yep. Like he was. Yep. He was never going to be the guy who ended up like Chuck Liddell or ended up like, um, or any any of the other guys. Like he, he was never going to be that guy. Like you, you're not going to see him forgetting stuff <laughs> like nope. and, and the moment and i think the moment that he realized that like and when when you know after johnny Hendricks fight he's like i don't remember most of the fight like i think that really scared him and mm-hmm. i think i think he just made the decision like i'm not i'm not i don't have to do this anymore right and and right. i don't have any issue with him feeling that way like i know some people don't like that which i i find that um hilarious that right. you're going to tell another grown man what they can and can't do <laughs> but you know, like, he's rich. He he's popular. He's forever going to probably be rich. The UFC probably going to pay him in some way for the rest of his life. So if I'm GSP, I'm not even thinking about coming back. I'll show up. I'll I'll, I'll be at events. I'll, I'll do some um, promoting for you. But I'm not I'm not fighting again. There's no reason I should. Dude, dudes out there putting videos of him doing gymnastics. And this is me at the training yeah, like- center <laughs> doing gymnastics. Yo, his videos are the best. I I am working on my handspring. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? It's just like, oh, I saw the last video he did. Dudes like doing cartwheels and flips and shit. I'm like, okay, gotcha. Yeah, That's... he ain't got nothing. 
he he's rich and famous. Like he ain't doing nothing <laughs> sitting around doing flips and shit. Like he ain't worried about fighting no more. He probably ain't hit no pads in like two years. Well, that's the funny thing. You know, they were doing the fight. They were doing that card in Canada. And allegedly Dana White called him like, yo, man, you want to fight on this card? And GSP is like, I have not hit a pad in two years. <laughs> I am I am chilling. Dude, no, but I like that Dana called him. I like that Dana called him. I like that Dana called him like, yo, George, you know, we're gonna be up in Canada. You think, you know, you wanna put that mitts on? <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Dudes dudes Hell, look they, at, from what I from what I hear, they offered him the Anderson Silver fight before before all this stuff about Anderson Silver getting popped and whatnot came out, they offered him an Anderson Silver fight. Of course they did. And he was like, no. <laughs> dude, dude, he was like, I, I don't want to. Dude sitting in a mansion in Canada covered in snow with a shield hanging on the wall that says, to George, thanks for the memories, Chris. <laughs> like, like you're on a first-name <laughs> basis with Chris Evans and shit, got a little shield, got one made up with a Canadian flag <laughs> on it, just chilling. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yo, he's... I just like the fact that Dana that Dana was like, yo, we just going up to Canada. You think you wanna, you know, put on the pads, go out there? Like, like, dude, are you crazy? He's like, I can imagine that phone call like, and no, I, I'm okay. Uh haven't hit pads in two years. Yeah. Yeah, like it ain't no reason it's no reason whatsoever that he should come back fighting. Nope. But I mean, hell, hell. I mean, if he does one day, I mean, I, I'll watch it. But I, I don't think he has any reason whatsoever. I'd give him that Benson back. Henderson fight, dude. Just because Benson Henderson would take it in a heartbeat, and he would get paid. And I, I and I just think that GSP is going to go in there, and you know, the amount of respect just from a, of a from a martial artist standpoint would give us a crazy fight. I don't know. I think I think if they were actually to fight. It, it would be fun to watch. Like, yep. I, I think it would be a really good fight if they if they ever actually fought. But you know, um, that that would that would be an interesting fight. But he is also someone who is way way bigger. <laughs> this, is <true. laughs> this is true. I did um I did want to switch gears, man, because I gotta I gotta admit the Bellator mm-hmm. card was better than the Fight Night card, even though I was I was heartbroken. With Melvin Manoff getting killed by Alexander Schlemek. I was like, ah, oh, come on. Dude, I just screamed at I the mean, TV. Scre- I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Melvin, yeah, Melvin's chin is gone. Like, I know. But... Completely gone. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's been fighting for a long, long time. And his, his, his chin is completely gone. Like, it doesn't even take hard shots now to knock him out. So, I mean, he's not, he's not the type of dude that you ever. He's he's a dude that's getting out too late. Cause what what the hell else is Melvin Manoff going to do? <laughs> I don't know. So man. you know, yeah, like he has nothing else he can do. I he, just, he's a, he's a guy who's been fighting professionally his whole life. <laughs> dude, I yelled at the screen and I'm like, yo, how did you get caught with the Shoney Carter? Like, why? <laughs> just just yelling at the screen, like 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 a, like if I was there and shit. I was just so mad, dude. I was like, yo, this is some bullshit. And then the um the you know, the 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 Chris Honeycutt fight, you know, him and Clayton McFarlane, I'm like, 
I'm like, yo, you folded that guy up. He was just teeing off on the guy's body. I'm I'm like, you know, the ref the ref should kinda step in there. <laughs> kinda should get in there. Yeah, Honeycutt save that dude. Yeah, Honeycutt's a really good prospect. He's a really, really good prospect. Uh, he looks good. Um I think he trained out of AKA. He he looked really good. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was I was blown away. And then the 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 Pat Curran fight, I always feel Pat Curran is another guy that everybody you know, is always on everybody's radar. Then he goes out there, and it's like you know, to to quote Joe Rogan, which which current is showing up? <laughs> yeah, Pat Curran is the the thing with Pat Curran is like if you don't make him um fight you, or or you're really like if you're also a counterfighter. He's probably not going to do anything to you. Like he, he's a really good fighter and all that, but he, he has his quirks are like what we saw. Like he, he will sometimes lay back and let you leg kick him and take him down. And then at the end of the fight, just be like, Oh wait, I lost. Oh, like he just, he doesn't ever switch into that, that next gear sometimes. Yep. And that's what it is. And it's crazy. And, you know, Bellator is trying to put on good cards, but I was like, wow, the Bellator card was surprisingly good. <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah, it was better than some of the other cards. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, dude, some of the I, other cards are pretty damn bad. But. Well, the card, you know, the, the, you know, fights on deck, freaking King Mo and James Colossus Thompson. Like, like, why is this <laughs> happening? But I still want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a pretty good chance King Mo's gonna knock him out. But I mean, that's a big dude, man. Yeah, he he is, but he's also not very good fight, at fighting. <laughs> so I mean, it, it should be interesting to see. Um, but I mean, Bellator is the organization that's just gonna put on fights. They they don't particularly care who's fighting or anything like that. They're just gonna put on fights. Yep. Now it's no more tournaments. Just like oh, you know. Uh, Kimbo, Kimbo's gonna fight Tito <laughs> next month. Like what? <laughs> you know, like that's what they yeah, do. Like just, 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 just random fights. Like they're they're not really worried about who's fighting who or anything like that. They just just fights. <laughs> so I did I did want to talk about you know UFC announced that they finalized UFC Fight Night sixty four, and um that was supposed to have Uriah Faber, Rafael Asuncao, but that was canceled um due to Asuncao's injury. So Damian Maya's fight with Ryan LaFlair is the main event on that card. Ooh. See what I'm saying, man? This is Ooh. what I'm saying. Like, like your main event is Ryan LaFlair, Damian Maya. Gilbert Burns is taking on Josh Thompson. Ben Saunders is taking on Eric Silva. You should have swapped those two fights right there. Uh, Shayna Baszler is fighting Amanda yeah. Nunes. Andre Feely's the opener for the main card. It's just like, why is this card on TV? I mean, is it? <laughs> There's, there's a couple fights that look like the Andre Philly fight sounds good. The uh, the the Gilbert Smith uh, Josh Thompson fight sounds like a good good fight. Most of that card doesn't sound horrible, right? But that main event, <laughs> why was that the main event? But dude, it doesn't I t- make me want to watch that. There you go. That's exactly it. It's like yo, Damian Maya, he's he's all right, but come on, man. Yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> There you uh, go. Nah, no. but, but that's what happens. And then on the flip side, Fight Night 60, in that that's the one that's going down in Jersey. Machida and Rockhold is your main event. 
Yoro Romero and Jacare is the co-main. You know those fights are going to be bananas. Uh, Max Holloway and Cub Swanson is going to be a problem. Um, Patrick Cummins taking on OSP. Felice Herrick, Paige Van Zandt. You know Jim Miller's fighting on that card. He's taking on Paul Felder because, you know, he could just get out of his house and walk down the block and <laughs> jump in the cage. Uh, Aljamain Sterling and Takeya Mitsugaki's on that card. Eddie Gordon's on that card. Gian Vellante's on that card. See, that's a that's a solid a solid card. That sounds like a really good card from top to bottom. Yep. And then on the flip side, the uh, men, uh, Ricardo Lamas, Chad Mendes are main eventing uh, UFC Fight Night 63. Co-main is uh, Iaquinta and uh, Masvidal. And then Michael Chiesa and Mitch Clark are on that card. And then that's the return of Juliana Pena. And Clay Guida's on that card. The opening fight, dude, Diego Ferreira and Dustin Poirier. That, that should be good. Isn't Dustin Poirier moving back up to 154? Yeah, moving up to 155, which I don't think is a good idea. But uh, So, that, I mean, that, see, a couple of – see, those other two cards you named sound right. like good cards. The, the first one you named, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I Brian tell you – Brian Flair in a main event is this now. Yeah. Well, dude, I forgot Frank Mir was fighting on Sunday. I'm like, what? <laughs> Frank Mir is fighting Sunday. Yeah, I don't care about that fight. <laughs> I don't care about that fight. Like I, I mean, I'm, I'm watching that card simply for the Michael Johnson Edson Barbosa fight. Yep. But uh, I'm probably not going to watch that main event. Like there's a there's a <laughs> decent to good chance like I'm not going to watch the main event. Like <laughs> I ha- I want to see that main event because I know somebody's going to the hospital. <laughs> that someone's yeah, going to the it's hospital. Be five rounds of horrible. Yeah, it's good. It's either going to be one round of some like a whole lot of violence or five rounds of horrible. Yep. It's either it's either somebody's getting crippled or they're just going to do the dance, you know? They're going to do the dance for 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 25 minutes. I tell you what though. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know if I want to sit around for the dance. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that, you know what it is? Once that fight goes into the second, if you see a lot of a lot of, you know, circling to the left, circling to the right, so it's just like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Punch <laughs> hit that eject button, punching out as a matter of fact, there's a there's a WWE pay per view that night, so it's gonna be like split screen punching out. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the flip side, though, the UFC heading to Manila actually got them to re-sign Felipe Nover. He got three victories outside of the <laughs> UFC, and now he's fighting on that card. The next Anderson Silva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that the next Anderson Silva is right. Um, you know, Frankie Edgar, Uriah Faber is your main. Um, Taehyung Bang is taking on John Tuck. Felipe Nover's on that card. Um, uh, Zhang Li Pang, of course, from the from the uh, the Ultimate Fighters taking on Kajan Johnson. So you know they're trying to stack that card. I mean, they're going into Manila. Uh, you know, they're trying to get that money. And I'm just like, okay, that's good. But your main event is two guys that have zero relationship to the Manila, to Manila at all. <laughs> like Frankie Edgar. Yeah, and like I'd rather that fight have been the main event of the card that Gerard was already going to be on. Right. So, like, like I mean, I I'm going to watch Frankie Edgar and Uriah Faber fight because yeah. that would be awesome. But yep. um, is that fight at one forty five, one thirty five? I think it's at one forty five. Oh, okay. I think Faber's going to go up yeah, to 145. From what I heard, they both were offered shots against Peter Dillashaw. Yeah, which was and it was weird because um, Uriah Faber was like, "Nah." It's like, really, dude? Why? <laughs> like, 
Well, I mean, they trained together. They they trained together. I know why Frankie didn't want it. Like I, I heard, well, like Frankie was like, "Look, I'm like one fight away from fighting for the 145 title again, and I kind of want to do that." So I, I see why Frankie said no. I have no idea why Uriah Faber said no because yeah, y'all train together, but like I, I can. PJ Dillashaw, I think, has said he'd fight him well, for the right amount of money. So Frankie Edgar's trying to get that payday. Let's be real. You know Frankie Edgar is trying to take that fight, trying to sit sit in the cut, wait for that Jose Aldo McGregor fight, praying to God that McGregor wins, so that he could just get that payday. He's not stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, fighting T.J. Dillashaw, cool. You got a belt, but then you just had a one thirty five belt. Like nobody. Yep. I mean, I would watch the fight, and I'm sure a lot of people will watch the fight because he's a recognizable name and everything. Right. But also, you don't want to be like you don't want to be the Kenny Florian. He's not Kenny Florian. Like he's he's a dude that actually had a title, but yeah. you don't want to be like Kenny Florian and keep going down the weight. It's just you know he he can go down the weight, and I personally wouldn't look at him like Kenny Florian because he he was a un, a really undersized lightweight who's now an undersized featherweight who could probably. He could probably fight a flyweight if he really wanted to. Yeah, he dude. <laughs> so. But Zoolander didn't know what the fuck he wanted to do. <laughs> By Zoolander, for yeah, those of you like that don't he, know, that's Kenny Florian. He didn't know what the fuck. Yeah, he wanted. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he just wanted a belt, and he yep. damn near starved himself to get down to one forty five, and it did not. He it did not fare well for him. Dude, I thought by the time he came down looking out like a skeleton, I'm like, yo, why don't you just have the flies in your eyes like those commercials late at night? Like straight, straight starvation station. I'm like, yo, come on, man. What are you doing? Like you're not being Jose Aldo like that. Like that nope. is not going to work. <laughs> nope, not happening. So, of course, it wouldn't be an MMA segment with the uh, without the obligatory uh, CM Punk update. Um, he did an interview for a TV station in Milwaukee, and he was saying that Brock Lesnar called him up and said that he was going to help him get ready. And I said to myself, does that mean you're going to be training at the Death Clutch facility? Where, you know, there's only one fighter and his name is Brock Lesnar. You know, maybe, maybe maybe Paul Heyman will hold some pads for you while you do some work. Like, I'm like, I'm like, what is Bro-? like, don't get me wrong. Brock Lesnar, for re- from a wrestling standpoint, he's going to, you know, if it was a question that, yo, I'm going to help him work on his wrestling. There's nobody I wouldn't want to learn from because, hello, Brock Lesnar, you know, NCAA monster. Like, like, I also look at it from that standpoint, too. You know, you take out of it what you put into it. It's like. You know, you're not learning any striking yeah. with Brock Lesnar, but you sure as fuck are learning some also, wrestling. I, I, I kind of think like Brock Lesnar would have the syndrome that you see some really good basketball and football players. You're able to do it, but you're not able to teach it. Like I, 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 I just kind of feel like he's so physically gifted that like he'd show him something, CM Punk wouldn't be able to do it, and he'd probably get like frustrated. Like why can't you? <laughs> why can't you pick up this other giant human being like it's nothing? Like what? I can. <laughs> Like, because he's so physically gifted. I mean, I'm sure he knows technique and everything, but a lot of Brock Lesnar was just pure freak athlete. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because he's like, yeah, you know, Brock said he helped me. He said he offered me all his help, you know, even if I have questions, you know, it's cool. You know, he was like, you know, he's a good guy to know. And I just said to myself, I'm like, yo, I'd pay to see that. Like, yo, we're going to go in there and we're going to roll. And, you know, Brock Lesnar comes out, skull cap on. You know, Jack Link's beef jerky fight shorts. All right, we're gonna roll. <laughs> CM Punk is like, dude, you you know you know we're we're on match, right? You know, just in case you forget. 
just in case you forget where we're at, you know, you know where our mats, right? Brock Lesnar's like, yeah, it's all good. You see, see a puck gets suplexed out through the side of the building, you know. <laughs> but it's just it's just crazy because you know he got interviewed by the station. Then they asked him, which was I was impressed. They were like, yo, how do you feel training with Ben Askren after all that shit? He talked about you being signed, and he was like, yo, I agreed with everything Ben Askren said. He goes. You know, but me and Ben talked and then we were on the same page. And, you know, this is something that that people forget. He said, yo, I was offered this opportunity and I would have been a fool to say no. Can't fault the dude like, yo, yo, you're going to get in this cage. Here's this money. You might get killed in there, but hey, if somebody came here and said, Ben, you're going to go in there and you're going to get in there with a prime Mike Tyson. You got to just survive five minutes. You know you're getting killed immediately, but at least you're gonna say fuck it. You know what? Well, uh, you know maybe I'll get lucky, <laughs> maybe not. Otherwise, this this money I'm getting is paying these medical bills. You know what I mean? Like like you're not. Yeah. The opportunity presented itself, and, and and I'm sure the UFC was like, "Yeah, we're gonna give you X," and he's like, "Well, shit." You know, I go, I, I diet down for six weeks, I I train. You know, maybe I get in there. Maybe it's a good 15 minutes. Maybe it's not. But think about it. 15 minutes, you win or you lose. You know, 15 minutes, you getting paid. Exactly. Like, he's he, he probably going to fight one, maybe two times. If he ever actually fights. True. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if he never actually fights. But, I mean, he's probably going to fight one or two times and... That's it. So, I don't know. Um, I don't have any problem whatsoever with that. So It's just funny to me, you know, that I, that that Ben Askren, you know, Ben Askren kept it real. And, and you know, you can't even fault that Ben because Ben Askren, he's mad as fuck because, you know, he wants to go into UFC and thrash dudes. And Dana White's like, nope, you're a boring-ass dude. Sorry. Like, like, straight up. He's like, Ben Askren's like, yo, can I come in there and rock? Nope. Boring as shit. <laughs> Stay home. <laughs> Like, they, the thing is, like, I don't think it's just that he's boring because they found Jake Shields. Like, I don't think it's just that he's boring. It's also because Ben Askren has gone out of his way to uh, antagonize the UFC. Yep. And, like, because I, I highly doubt it has anything to do with him being boring. <laughs> They'll sign you if you want. Yeah, but you know Dana White. You keep winning like it. <laughs> Again, yeah. Dana White's super vindictive, dude. You know that. He'll be like, nope, boring as fuck. Not happening. Yeah, like, they don't really don't care if you're born. <laughs> they want all the best fighters. It's just, like, you have made a point to alienate them. And they're like, well, fuck you too, then. That's you're it. just not ever going to be in the UFC. <laughs> well, you know you know what'll be crazy, dude, and I hate to say it, but it's like, yo, if Paul Daly gets back in the UFC and Ben Askren doesn't get to get his ass in that cage at least once, it's just a tragedy. Because I'm not going to lie, yeah, I mean, boring or not, Ben Askren could probably thrash half of those dudes. At 170. I don't know about half because if he's so one-dimensional, I, I think he beat some dudes. Dude, I, but I from 6 to 10. I don't think he's as good. Huh? From 6 to 10 in that ranking, dude, 6 to 10, Ben Askren could take those dudes from 6 down. Oh, from 6 to 10? <laughs> from 6 to 10, yeah. But some top five dudes would probably hurt him. Like, I'd be scared for him against Matt Brown. Yeah, well, like, Matt. Because, like, yeah, you'll take Matt Brown down for a second. Like, do you really want to be on the feet with him at any point? <laughs> yeah, that's just because Matt Brown got a couple bodies in a fridge, dude. 
I wouldn't want to be on. I wouldn't yeah, want to fight Brown that dude. Yeah, Matt Brown is a psycho. Yeah, dude, fuck that. Or Johnny Hendricks. Like, what? what is he going to do to Johnny Hendricks? Yeah. Well, or Robbie Lawler. Or, like, you know, top five dudes. Like, that. nah. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. Of course, he, they got asked, he got asked about the similarities between MMA and pro wrestling. And he said the best response that validated the conversation I had last night. He says, and I quote, I think MMA is pro wrestling. He goes, if you go back to the early 1900s and the whole genesis of professional wrestling, and then you go back to the early beginnings of MMA, it was all pro wrestlers. It's like, yeah, <laughs> kind of right. It's yeah, just, I it's mean, just one the outcome is scripted and one isn't. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I mean MMA and pro wrestling. I know some MMA fans hate to know there's parallels between them, but yep. there's large parallels between them, and there's no. And there's no big issue with it. So I don't, I don't know. Some MMA fans are get, get real annoyed, like, oh, there's nothing to like. Yeah, and they're a lot of like. You just, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, the UFC isn't scripted, but, well, some old school MMA fights were scripted. So, you know, hell, there's a lot of prior fights that were worked. Shit, who you telling? I mean, as much as it's. You know, like, as much as people hate to believe that, like, there's a lot of prior fights that were pure works. So. Hell, the Anderson Silva might have been in the works. So I mean, yeah, well, this is true. I, I, <laughs> I the um the UFC Fight Club uh, fight card for Australia started taking some shape. Mark Hunt is taking on Stipe, uh, which definitely I think is going to be a, a a brawl and a half. And um, they put Beck Rawlings on that card because why wouldn't they? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, yeah, kind of <laughs> let kind of let the chick fight over there. But um, yeah, they're actually doing it um in the U.S. It's airing May 9th, and I believe that the delay is gonna gonna be that they get it that Friday and then we get it that Saturday. Oh, okay. So real real crazy card. Uh, Brad Tavares is on that card fighting Robert Whitaker. Alex Chambers is taking on Kalen Curran on that card. I think they're probably gonna add one or two fights because it's kind of light right now. But um, definitely cool that they're going into Australia. You know, a couple Australian fighters on the roster, so that'll be good for them. Um, definitely some yep. exposure. Yep, yep. So let's talk about this big situation, this this four-hour Nevada State Athletic Commission hearing, which pretty much ended with them saying, yeah, Anderson Silva failed for taking a whole bunch of shit, and Nick <laughs> Diaz failed for smoking weed, and Hector Lombard failed for taking some shit. So, uh, yeah, everybody's temporarily suspended. Oh, Ashley Evans-Smith, you too. I'm like, so, yeah, we're going to reconvene, and you guys are going to come back in like a month or two. And I'm just like, yo, come on. We we know. It's like, here's what's going to happen. In Anderson Service case, he had uh, drostanolone. Um, that was from, he tested positive for that on the January 9th drug test, along with Androstane. And then in the post-fight test, he had um, oxapan and tamazepan, which are used to treat anxiety and insomnia. But, you know, it's normal. I can't sleep. It's normal. I take pills. It's normal. It's okay. You know, like, like, yo, like, you don't think that the motherfucker had his leg broke that he didn't need fucking pills for anxiety and insomnia? Like, like, again, you know, aside from the drug test and all the shit and everybody on their high horses all of a sudden, it's like. You didn't think the motherfucker mm. had anxiety going in there? Like, if you didn't think that, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, like, if, if this had been, if those two had been 
what he had been popped for, not not the steroids. Right. The the um the two anxiety medicines, I would have completely understood. Yep. Like if your leg gets snapped in half doing something that you've done probably most of your life, like you're gonna probably be kind of mentally fucked up next time you try to do that thing. Yep. Like it I I those two like I had no issue when I heard that. Like, cause at first I was like, dude, what the fuck did he get popped for? And then I read up on. I'm like, oh wait, oh man, never mind. <laughs> right, but it's just like, it's just know, weird. Like, dude failed his pre-fight test, his post-fight his post-fight test, and I just laugh at it because it's just like, so he failed the pre-fight test, but y'all kind of just swept the results under the rug, and he still fought because Vegas needed to make that money. Let's not kid ourselves. Also, there's a whole fact that Nick Diaz failed a bunch of tests. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Diaz is like... And then got sanctioned, like, I think the day before. <laughs> Dude, Nick Diaz is in there. Yeah, hey, Nick, about that test. And he's just like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, about that test, homie. <laughs> Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> like, like, dude went to the bathroom with the J in his hand. Come on, get the fuck out of here. Like, I was just laughing at the commission because they were just fucking stupid. And then the guy that got the eye, you know, got his eye poked by Uriah Faber, he's up there like, yo, I want you to, like, get out of here, man. <laughs> they pretty much just told the dude, like, yo, you're, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> you know, like, they're like, yo, get out of here. I mean, I, I agree with Francisco Rivera. Like, I think that probably should have been turned into a no contest. Cause right. The- the direct result of him getting jabbed in the eye was him getting choked out. This is true. So I kind of agree with him, but the, the, this is Nevada. Like, right. they, don't, they don't care. <laughs> that, that's, that was exactly <laughs> it. Dude, he was, he was, they were talking about it, and you could just see the members of the commission were like, yo, is he done? <laughs> like, yo, is he, is he ready? Because I don't want to hear it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like clearly on video, you can see the dude's finger going into the eye. Like, we don't care. Yep. Like, no, nope. <laughs> all right. And then, um, you know, Ashley Evan Smith, of course, got popped for the uh, for the diuretic. You know, we knew we knew that was going to be an issue. Um, it was funny though because the um, you know, Chris Eccles had um, basically what happened was she took a whole bunch of supplements, quote unquote, and she was unable to specify which, if any, of those supplements caused her to test positive. So Pat Lundvall said that. The uh, when Ashley Evan Smith said that the uh, the banned drug isn't sold in the U.S., she said, um, "I have personal lot knowledge of this because I take uh, hydrochlorothiazide daily. It deals with high blood pressure and is very common in low dosage to maintain low blood pressure." So, she said that you know it also helps with weight loss, and she said, "Yo, two weeks out from the fight, the chick was twenty pounds over. A week from the fight, she was ten pounds <laughs> over." 10 pounds is a lot to lose in that period of time. That's how you knew something was going on. So she's uh, getting the nine-month suspension. Why are you 20 pounds over? <laughs> Good Lord. What are you doing in your training camp? <laughs> dude, dude, it might have been feminine issues, dude. Like, that's like it's always weird. 20 pounds? Dude, why not? Dude, you don't want to even tell it. You don't even want to tell a woman that, dude. Really? You gained 20 pounds during it? You must want to get stabbed while you're sleeping. <laughs> What's wrong I mean, with you? <laughs> I I guess, but damn, like I don't know, like he just freaked. Like when, when I heard, like, because I heard this first time I'm hearing twenty pounds over, like shit. Like what were you doing during your train? Like I understand there's bodily issues that can happen, but what were you doing during your training camp where you knew you had to be a certain weight? You're, you're twenty pounds purely over that weight. Like yep. I just damn. <laughs> 
But you know what, what was crazy? Like I said, she was 20 pounds over two weeks out from the fight. But then a week from the fight, she was 10 pounds over. So it's just like she went from 20 to 10. You know, there was serious shit going on to go from 20 to 10 in that week. And then go from you had no business doing. Yep. And then you go from <laughs> 10 to fight ready. And it's just like, all right, no problem. And again, you know, putting on the bag, the sauna suit, going in there, riding the airdyne, doing all the shit. Yes, there's you could probably, you know, maybe five pounds, you maybe. Drop 10. But that's crazy. You could probably like, drop 10. Yeah. <laughs> but yo, you'd be dead at that point. Like you it's like, yo, you can't even say hey, you know, I didn't use anything at that point because it's like, yo, stop playing. Just, just eat the suspension. There's worse shit going on. But, um... Yeah, dude, that's a, that's a lot of weight. But, um... Yeah, the, no. the thing that I that I took from this entire situation is, and, and I'm sorry to say it, the Nevada State Athletic Commission is fucking stupid. <laughs> that's... Oh, they're they're incredibly stupid. Like, like I, 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 this is my first time really paying real close attention to commissions and everything. Since John Jones is in it, the fact that you're they're allowing people to fight when in pre-fight testing or in competition testing, mm-hmm. they're failing blood tests. Right, it's ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. And then and then they come out afterwards like, well, you failed a test. Like, well, you let me fight. Like, yep, and that's like, the problem. Because like, honestly, because honestly, can can you really punish these people after you? That's like me stealing something. The cops seeing it, then I go and stealing some money. The cops seeing it, then I spend that money, and then year um, months later, they're like, "Okay, now we're arresting you." Like, why didn't you arrest me when you initially saw me? Like, stop, stop it at the source. Like, there was no reason if Anderson Silva failed this. The steroid test. He should have been. The fight should have never happened. Nick Diaz should have never been sanctioned the fight. Right. If you, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I won't say I'm an advocate for marijuana, but I don't think it's any sort of performance enhancing drug. Well, I just but laugh at if the it's fact it's illegal for you to do. Right. Huh? No, I'm just saying. Go ahead. Yeah. If it's illegal for you to. Okay. Yeah. If it's illegal for you to do, and you continue to do it, then you obviously ain't trying to fight. <laughs> you're not trying to fight. So you're breaking a rule and you need to be punished for that. There shouldn't have been any, oh, we keep testing him over and over until he, at some point he's clean so we can give him a, a license. Dude, I used to, I used to, when my, when my company, before they relocated, they used to do random drug tests. And you would know if somebody would, 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 would smoke weed because the minute that they would be like, oh, you know, we're going to be doing random drug tests this week, I would conveniently bump into people from my job going into GNC to pick up some shit in a red bottle that you drink that allegedly <laughs> makes your shit clear. Or you'd, you'd hear the one dude like, yo, man, can you do that for me? A.K.A. can X guy A piss in this cup, you know, for, for $100. And it's just like, like, you know what it is, dude? It's like for that for the amount of headache that smoking weed is causing the commission it's like once again you guys let coke rock <laughs> you know what i'm saying like like every this is the most asinine <laughs> <laughs> but that's the that's the gag you know what i mean like 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 nick diaz you know nick diaz smoke his l goes in there does what he has to do 
And they're like, you know, Nick, we got to suspend you. He's like, go ahead, homie. You know, you don't. You think Nick Diaz cares that you're going to send him home? <laughs> he said in one. He already, and, and I guarantee you, Nick Diaz already knew he was getting suspended. Like, yep. he doesn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> Dude, like he, he, he said like, in an interview, yo, the fighting gets in the way of me smoking weed. <laughs> Legit. Exactly. Like, Nick, Nick Diaz, I'm 100% sure Nick Diaz was completely aware that he felt all these threats <laughs> and he knew. After this, I'm getting suspended. Yep. He had, you notice that the UFC has basically told you they've stopped Anderson Silver's money. They didn't stop Nick Diaz's money. Nope. Because everybody already knew. Yep. <laughs> everybody, nobody was surprised by this. Everybody knew, hey, he he's telling these tests. He's going to fight and they get suspended for a while, so we're going to pay him, I, I don't know, he, I guess he probably made close to a million dollars. We're going to pay him this million dollars. We already knew he was getting suspended. Yep. He, Nick Diaz was probably telling Dana White and them, like, yeah, I'm smoking weed. <laughs> do with the information as you will. <laughs> Dana White was probably Dana White probably told Burt Watson, "Yo, man, I smoked a bag of the good shit last night." Burt Watson's like, "Yo, shut up." <laughs> <laughs> you know that's how it went, and that's what I mean. Like Nick Diaz, and that's the that's the comedy that I find in the commission. You guys know that the guy's a habitual. You know he gets habitually popped for smoking weed. It's like, why are you even tripping at this point when you're the same commission that said that? You know, Coke is okay. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, exactly. The, the reasoning, like, oh, yeah, it's not on our bad substance list, but weed is. Yep. Weed is. Yep. But not, not cocaine. <laughs> but not, uh, not the one that's legal in 20 plus states. <laughs> yep. But that's the, that's the comedy in it. Now, of course, the UFC did their big event today. And um, mm-hmm. cor- based on based on what was said, you know, Lorenzo Fertitta is out there. You know, looking like looking like little Vince, and um, he's he's out there, and, and and as soon as I saw Lorenzo Fertitta doing the talking, I said to myself, "Yeah, that's just because you can't put Dana out there because Dana's gonna fuck up." You know, when when Lorenzo Fertitta's the guy sitting out there, like Dana, just 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 chill. So basically, what's gonna happen is that the UFC is gonna institute what they feel is a comprehensive out of competition random PED testing. All fighters will be subject to the random testing. How convenient, July 1st, 2015. Oh, gee, what goes into effect in July? I don't know. The Reebok deal? Maybe because Reebok doesn't want to pay motherfuckers that are that are juiced to the gills? <laughs> well, to, to the UFC's credit, they had already stated right. they were going to do this. And then the shit with Kung Lee happened. Right. And they were basically like, well, we fucked that up. So we're just going to leave it up to the commission because we, we'll probably just fuck it up again. Right. Which was the worst attitude to have about it. Exactly. Um, because Kung Lee may have I been hot. Questions. Yeah, like I still have a lot of questions about that Kung Lee shit. Like the, his explanation for looking like a freaking action figure was like, oh, yeah, that was after a good workout and the lighting. Like, right. no, you probably were on something. You're like 40. But, you know, <laughs> you probably were. Want... <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that you mentioned, you know, mentioning that, you know, it's like Vitor is the same way. And, you know, that was because of the TRT. Now, Based on what the UFC wants to institute, they're saying that approximately 585 fighters will be subject to testing by an independent third party, and they're going to actually be using the WADA testing standards, like the straight Olympic shit. And I laughed when I read that because I said, uh, let's see how many dudes start retiring, changing weight classes, or getting injured. Because it's like... Or smaller. 
or, right. or 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 serious body comp changes. But it's just funny because the minute that they were like, oh, third party, and I'm like, all right, whatever. And as soon as they said, oh, yeah, water testing standards, I'm like, oh, there you go. That'll do it. Now, according to what they said, they're um, dealing with global drug testing organizations to create a random drug testing protocol, which they, like I said, are going to institute July 1st. That means that, you know, oh, well, I'm fight. We're fighting in Brazil this month. Yeah. OK, that doesn't mean nothing. You know, like like, you know, you know how sometimes they went to certain countries and dudes pretty much would skate because the UFC was the one administering yeah. the test. Not happening. They also yeah. said that um, they're going to commit any additional monies to cover in and out of competition testing. And they're going to be performing random PED testing throughout the year. They're saying that in 2013 and 14, they had already spent five hundred thousand in testing expenses. So basically any dude that's like, yo, you got to go take this test. And they're like, yeah, well, there's no lab over here. Well, we're going to get you to a lab and we're going to foot the bill. That's pretty much where, where they're going. Lastly, the UFC said uh, that they're advocating for longer suspensions and harsher penalties. So it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, you might get that year. Well, we might ask for two or three. I don't think it ever. I, I don't think on your first offense they're about to get two or three years out of you. But you, you, might, you won't get, probably get a year uh, your first offense. Um or, or get your whole your whole purse taken. Um, so I mean, I I, I like this idea. I, I think this is the best way to do it. Um, um, I, I don't agree with Joe Rogan saying like what what do you say fifty sixty percent of MMA is on it. I, I don't believe it's fifty or sixty percent. I do think that a lot of guys are on it, but I don't think it's fifty or sixty percent. I think and like every other sport has a PH, uh, PhD. P um PED performance enhancing drug P PED performance enhancing drug problem like all every sport has there's guys doing it in every sport right um but... I think this is good yeah huh? you can finish yeah I I I think it's good that they're they're going to implement this because it it puts the guys that are doing it on notice like look by July like if you you I ain't offered by July they're going to catch you yep but here's here's something Joe Rogan's assessment. About about you know fifty sixty percent of the fighters on performance enhancing drugs, you know why I don't have an issue with that statement. I'll tell you why because the definition of performance enhancing drugs can be so vast. We're talking diuretics. We're talking you know designer steroids. We're talking uh, HGH. We're talking you know what I mean. So the definition is very vast and and not for nothing. It's like. You know, like Boss Rutten said in an interview, he's like, yo, you could juice to the fucking gills. It might make, it's not going to make your, you, you know, your, your 360 roundhouse better. It's just going to make you look good, you know, and it may improve it a bit, but ability, you know, training in tra- is training and going in the lab is going in the lab, you know? And these guys, yeah. they're, they're, you know, Joe Rogan says that because Joe Rogan knows some shit. I, that, when I saw that and he said that and, you know, a buddy of mine sent me the, the audio for that. I said to myself, yo, if the dude is saying it, if the guy that works for the fucking company is putting a number out there like that, that's because he knows some shit. That's why. When yeah, I'm pe- sure there's a lot of dudes on <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So guys are, I saw a couple guys take to Twitter today and they're just like, yo, man, what the fuck? You know, Joe Rogan's out there, you know, turn coding on, on the organization that signs his checks. No, it's not turn coding. 
it's keeping it it's keeping it fucking real you know yeah i was just informed also, if you're doing it you shouldn't be right but i was also just informed via communique hgh is not considered a ped but really yeah oh. neither are, neither are diuretics all right well that's good to know and the person the person who sent me this communique is pretty knowledgeable on the shit so i know he's on a he's on a ball yeah. but the the fact the fact is that if dudes are out there on the shit dude they 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 should know you have a fine you, you have a finite amount of time you know the clock is definitely ticking so whatever shit you're on july 1st is going to come and that's going to be that you know and that's <laughs> that's what gets yeah. me and I don't like the fact that, you know, dudes are, you know, people, people took to Twitter, dude, immediately when Joe Rogan said that, yo, man, what the fuck? You know, Joe Rogan talking about that. You know, these guys, they, they support his career. They do that. Yo, Joe Rogan is a guy that fucking talks behind a mic, screams into a mic for 25 minute clips. He has a successful stand up career. The guy's a, a tremendous martial artist. He could probably fuck up half them guys on a roster. And who knows? Maybe Joe Rogan's on some shit. Outside of weed, outside of that, you know, it's like, yo, I just, I just feel that we're in a stage of the game where, and, and it's, and it's going to sound fucked up. And if I catch shit for it, I don't even care. It's like, yo, either everybody's on it or nobody's on it, but it can't be, you know, the guy that moves the needle, his test is going to get lost in the mail. And then the guy who's on the grind, putting his work in, in the gym is going to get, is going to lose to this dude. And then, you know, oh, we just found his test a month later, and uh, yeah, he was on some shit. Sorry. Oh, so I just got my head beaten by a dude that cheated, but it's okay. Sorry. sorry. Oh, you know, but we're going to rule it a no contest. I got my ass kicked. You know, like, like, like that's the thing. Like, like yo, putting an NC on my fight record is not going to take away from the fact that I'm in this dude's highlight reel getting my head beat in. Yeah, like I, I agree with you. Like, either put everybody on it or take everybody off. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the UFC is going to do something. Um, um, and that that is what they they basically did what they needed to do today. Because I mean, they could have went the other way and not really done anything. So I'm happy they they decided to do something to actually have this. We'll see how effective it is, and we'll see how many people they catch. But you know, it should be interesting to see what comes out of this. Val said Vitor's retiring tomorrow. <laughs> Probably. Well, you know what's funny? He's on that card. Chris Weidman got re, uh, rescheduled for? Um, him, him and Weidman are going to be on, on Memorial Day weekend. It's him and Weidman, Jones and, and uh, Rumble. And there was one other big, car, big fight that was announced for that card. Cerrone uh, and uh, Khabib. So oh yeah, so, yeah. So, dude, that card, that Memorial Day weekend card. I said, yeah, that's a sixty dollar card. Those three fights right there are those three fights right there, barring injuries. Knock on wood for that, dude. That that that's a reason enough to plunk down that money. Yeah. Plus, you know, um, that's before before July. So, you know, Vitor is gonna try to win <laughs> that title then, then retire. Vitor is gonna be like uh, the young lion. He's going to win the belt on Memorial Day weekend for Jesus. <laughs> and then after and I'm gonna retire, so you don't ever catch him. That's it. He's gonna be like, you know, I go, I, I take this journey, I fought for so long, I'm the champion. I'm going to announce my retirement from the UFC. You know, I want to thank Jesus, 
my family, for everything that they've done for me in this journey. The old lion is going home, you know, like some fucking real self-righteous putting himself over type shit. And oh, Weidman, man. and Weidman's gonna be Weidman's gonna be like that motherfucker cheated. Ah, <laughs> uh, Vitor. Yeah, dude. But you know, it, it, it's it's craziness, man. I just I just wanted to go into that with you because the you know the the UFC is doing the right thing. I'm just worried about what's happening, you know, on the Reebok side of things, where it's like you know, yeah, the drug test is all well and good, but if it's a dude that's moving the needle. Are you guys gonna be as aggressive? Like, is that dude gonna get the call? Like, yo, we're randoming. Um, make sure you're not home, <laughs> or, or you know, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be yeah. a dick. I'm not trying to be a dick about it, but there is that, there is that possibility, you know? Yeah, you just kind of hope like that kind of thing doesn't happen, right? And, but, and we won't know, but you just kind of hope like that's not the kind of thing that happened for this. Right, but I just I just had to put that out there. That's why I wanted to save it for the last thing we talked about because it's like, you know, oh, yeah, we're doing all this stuff, but is it for everybody? Uh, on paper, yes, but is it, though? And that's that's what's going to be very telling come July 1st. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I'm, I'm interested to see who gets popped and who doesn't. Or, well, not so much who gets popped and who doesn't because, I mean, we won't know. But I'm interested to see who are the people that get popped. There you go. Or 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 which guys conveniently, you know, are, are gonna retire between now and July. How thin is that roster gonna get? Cause, Cause I'm so I'm sorry to say, <laughs> people people talk about pride and scripted fights and this, that, and the third. I tell you this though, Fedor wasn't on shit. <laughs> But ice cream. That's it. Fedor was on fucking borscht and mashed potatoes. That was it. <laughs> straight, straight, regular, straight mauling dudes out there. That's why, you know, say what you will, but you knew in pride who was who was right and who was wrong, but ability just you're not you're not erasing ability at that point. Nah. So uh just to wrap things up, as I said earlier, you you guys put out a well, you guys broadcasted a brand new black is the new black. Um, by the way, your, your, your assessment on Drake's mystery album was quite amusing. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, you know, it conveniently found its way across my desk, um, whether through nefarious means or not remains to be seen, but I just heard it <laughs> and I felt incredibly emotional after I heard it. So, <laughs> you know, I just really wanted to go, I really wanted to go and hug the charming bear and um <laughs> buy some flowers uh I, I don't know man i just i just we were we were having a conversation uh, a couple of days ago talking about hip hop and just where it is and you know the fact that you know we talk about and and you know it's off the cuff but i figured we throw we throw this out there to wrap it up it's like dudes is off the cuff and yeah. you know we're going to talk about Tupac and Biggie and and you know um Slick Rick and all these guys, Das Effects, and all these dudes we grew up listening to, and these guys, top of the food chain, and those are the guys that we always say, hey, you know, they're the gold standard. But the guys 10 years mm-hmm. younger than us are the guys that are going to be like, yo, man, what are you talking about? Kendrick Lamar, ASAP Rocky, you know, like those are, those are like, like you're going to tell a dude 10, 15 years younger than us, yo, who's on your rap, Mount Rushmore of, of, of rap music? And they're going to go like, 
um, you know, ASAP Rocky, Bobby Schmurda, you know, Soldier Boy. Oh God! And you just, and you just like I mean, really, like, and, and it's just like I thought to myself, like, yo, we just like hip hop. As soon as you grow, you surpass that age gap, we all automatically date ourselves. Like I caught myself saying, yo, when I was listening to this shit back in my day, and I was like, fuck, I did that. <laughs> you know, and I mean. I already kind of see it like with my with my little because I'm 25 and like my little brother's oh is he 19 mm-hmm. and like there's there's a there's a gap in what we listen to. There you go. Like um compared like because he I mean he listens to some of the same things I listen to but there's other things that he's into like I'm like I don't understand how you like this. <laughs> right. And it's just interesting. It's it's just interesting to see like you know what what everybody listens to and everything else. But yeah um. <laughs> I mean, it will be interesting to see, like, you know, in 10 years, what, what everybody thinks is, like, the best rapper they ever heard and all right. that. It, it'd be interesting to see. And, that, and, that's, and that's why mm-hmm. I brought it up because, you know, the assessment that you and Taylor give on hip-hop kind of, kind of still acknowledges the fact that, you know, there's still some classic shit out there, but the bulk of the new shit is questionable. Or the guys that aren't signed and getting shoved down your throats via radio airplay are the guys that might be worth listening to, you know? And it's 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 just it's just yeah. one of the things that I like that I wanted to acknowledge that you and Taylor really put on blast, you know, for people that are that are that are into the stuff and really want to have the shit broken down. That's that's how it is, man. It's we're we're, we're in a stage where 10 years from now we're going to be the yo back in my day, you know, and it's like damn, it already <laughs> happened. And that's that's how it goes. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I try not to shit on people's musical tastes. For the you most try part not to be jaded. Know, everybody likes what they like. You try not yeah, to be jaded. I, I try not to. <laughs> but, like, every now and again, like, somebody will be like, oh, I like this. It compared to something else. I'm like, how? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you listening to? But, what? you know, everybody what? has their own taste and what, what they what they like and what they listen to. It's just, it's just interesting. It, it, it's interesting that what, what some people like and why and, and even some of the older like because sometimes I get annoyed with some older dudes and what they like about music and how they kind of like shit on every single thing that's new like there's there's no there's nothing quality about anything that's new in it like that sometimes annoys me, annoys me. but that, that's something like if people listen to the show they'll sometimes hear about me and Taylor like we, we like some of the old stuff but like we're not so into it that we can't see like oh well there's some there's some new good shit out there too, and you know sometimes some of the older heads, like they're always like, "Well, none of this new, all this new stuff is gay," like or or not, or you just sound like really old right now. <laughs> I just, so. I just figured that I would bring that up because I, I will say this, and and I just, I use this ratio: eighty percent of the shit that is out there is ringtone music, radio music, and it's not real music. That's it. The other twenty percent, no, I agree. The, the shit that's randomly dropped on a Tuesday that a guy fucking tries to sell you out of his trunk sometimes is better than the shit that you got to hear 14 times when you turn on the radio in the morning. That's all. But um, I, I agree. <laughs> there you go. But um, again, make sure you guys check out Black is the New Black. There is a brand new episode. Uh, definitely check that out. Uh, it should be up probably tomorrow evening, depending on our broadcast schedule. But um, you guys definitely yep, got it. I'll be sending that to you tonight. There you go. Uh, anything else you want to add? Nah, man. Uh, you know, like you said, just check out Black and the New Black. Tell us what y'all think. There you go, guys. Of course, you can find Ben on Twitter at Blackout89.
Thanks again, bro. Yep. All right, man. Peace. Peace. There you have it, man. Me and Ben uh, chopped it up. Little MMA. Uh, definitely a lot of crazy stuff going on out there. Like I said, we got a card Sunday night. Um, I got to get the full specs on the card because I only know that Frank Mir is fighting, and that's because somebody brought it to my attention. Um, of course, it is probably going to be counter-programming against WWE Fastlane, and we are going to get into that because you know what time it is. It is time to talk some wrestling. Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga. All right, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. So, you know, if you got if you got that, that, that shopping cart full of Randy Orton t-shirts and Dean Ambrose sweatshirts, you could save a couple of dollars courtesy of that promo code. Of course, look for other banners on RageWorks.net. We do get... A lot of different promo codes we try to share with you guys. Um, any deals that are out there, we try and put on the site as well. Again, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. All right, so before we get into Raw and Fastlane and the week's wrestling news, I gotta I have to say that the, the build-up for WWE Fastlane, you know, it's this Sunday, a lot of people are really going out of their way expecting some sort of uh, top of the food chain level shit. Um, and what ends up happening is I, I have to tell people, you know, I, I do got to be bad news brown man and tell people like, listen, it is the card that is between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. It is it is pretty much the duff of pay-per-views. That's what it is. You know, it's the it's the it's the it's the designated fat friend of pay-per-views. You got to suck it up and watch it because it's part of the buildup for WrestleMania. That's, that's really it. Everybody's been out of shape. Oh, this fucking card is, I don't know why they took away the elimination chamber. It doesn't matter. It could be the elimination chamber, uh, ladder match, money in the bank, uh, three stages of hell, whatever pay-per-view you want to call it. It is between the top two pay-per-views. It is, it is basically the mayo on the sandwich at this point. So just enjoy the ride. If you're watching it on the network, you're watching this shit for 10 bones, suck it up and know that it's going to be part of the buildup for WrestleMania. So there's not going to be nothing too crazy, too out of the ordinary. And the payoff is exactly that dudes jump on Twitter, Google plus getting real, real ignorant about it. And it's just like, I tell people all the time, listen, WWE books the major four pay-per-views. Everything else is just extended versions of Raw. Like, I'm going to watch Fastlane on Sunday, and it's just going to be Raw with more graphics. That's it. Raw with more graphics. Other than that, the big, the bigger buildup is Mania. And that's it. So just sit down, enjoy your, your, your $10 WWE app, and call it a day. Dudes are out there getting super ignorant on Twitter about it. Like, oh my God, this is bullshit. And it's just like, yo, I hate to tell you. Are you paying for the network? Yeah. So this pay-per-view is essentially $10. 
It is the cost of a pie, of a pizza pie. Depending depending on where you live in the U.S., it is essentially the cost of a pizza pie. Unless, of course, you're buying your pizza from Little Caesars where you're essentially getting two pies for that price. But that's not real pizza, and that's a story for another day. But seriously, like dudes are out there fighting, uh, you know, fighting the good fight, talking about that they feel they feel that WWE's phoning it in. And it's just like, yo, cut the bullshit and recognize the fact that you're paying ten fucking dollars. I can understand if you said to me, yo, I don't got the network, you know, but I try to buy every pay-per-view. First thing I'd tell you is you're a fucking idiot. Second thing I'd tell you is, you know, ten dollars. That's what the shit is. You know? It's ten bucks out of your pocket. Each month of the network is ten dollars. If you're only paying the $10 and you're only watching the pay-per-views, you're, you're a fucking idiot too. Because again, NXT, the Monday night wars, all the other special programming, all the old shit that you can watch. If you're only bitching about $10 for a pay-per-view, you're again, you're a fucking idiot. Hate to tell you that, but it's true. Anyway, let's get this ball rolling. Let's talk about Monday night raw, which I, I, it pains me to say, and, and you know, when I went to when I went to the gym uh Monday night after Raw and um I walked in there, uh, my my buddy, my training partner says to me, he goes, Yo, man, the last Raw before the fucking pay per view is supposed to be dope, right? According to your logic. That shit sucked. And what am I gonna what am I gonna do? I am gonna nod my head and agree. And you know what's terrible? It's the fact that the Raw that they did before Triple H went on Austin's podcast was five stars and then they just decided hey we're just gonna regress and do absolutely nothing for these next two for these next two weeks and that's pretty much it every week it was the big show and Kane as soon as Raw started I don't understand it do do those guys got like naked pictures of Vince McMahon well maybe not but you never know because they were the they're the they're out there every week with the shit it just feels like we see the same three matches on a, on a roster of you know a hundred wrestlers and essentially three hours of live television, I gotta be stuck watching Kane and the Big Show for the eighty fifth time fighting Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan for the eighty fifth time. And you know we joke about the whole build up for this match between both guys for Fastlane, and it's like, hey, they're gonna be in a tag team match together, and one guy's gonna accidentally hit the other, and then they're gonna beat each other up. Then the next week they're gonna fight each other's opponents. And it's, it's as cookie cutter as it gets. The only thing that they did right on Monday night was not letting either guy get the upper hand because in wrestling booking 101, whoever is, whoever is standing tall at the end of the Raw before a pay-per-view is going to lose. And then what ends up happening is obviously the other guy wins and that's it because that guy gets the upper hand and gets his revenge at the pay-per-view. They kept it very, very gray, which was good, but... At this point, I don't even give a shit. I just want to get to WrestleMania because at the end of the day, that's where it all, you know, that's the culmination of all this, of this entire journey. Anyway, so we open up the show with John Cena coming out. You know, it's been a while since John Cena opened the show. Uh, Usually we're stuck with Triple H giving us his 20 minute dissertation on nuclear fission and why Vince McMahon's veins look like the, like the exercise bands that dudes warm up with in the back. But um, not the case this week. John Cena went out there, cut a little promo, 
you know, Rusev comes out, brings Lana. Lana's, you know, doing her shtick. And then all of a sudden, Rusev just starts, like, really talking. John Cena, I will go out there and break your face. I'm like, yo, what is wrong with you? Welcome to the deli. Would you like a number one? Like, yo, why are you just... Why is your promo work so awful, dude? Like, not awful in the sense that he can't talk, but I don't know if it's because he's trying to over-exaggerate the Russian accent. I'm like, yo, come on. Lana, too. Lana says some words, and she'll be like, tonight we're going to talk about the possibilities. I'm like, what? The pasa what? Oh, possibilities. Like, like she, or, you know, she tries to really phone in the Russian accent, so some of the words, it's like, no. No, that's not how that sounds. Tonight, we're going to carry the bucket to the ring and mop the floor with John Cena. Like, it's got to be really, really, uh, it's got to be real easy. Otherwise, it's like, yo, she just eats the words like fucking Pac-Man. She's the Pac-Man of promos. So is Rusev. Rusev, I'm like, yo, dude, just don't talk. Come out there, wear your pants all the way up to your fucking nipples and look scary. Otherwise, please, just let, let Lana do the talking. Anyway... We got the hard sell. Obviously, Cena and, and, and Rusev are probably going to be one of the matches that are going to steal the show. And the reason I say that is because Cena is not a terrible Cena's not a terrible worker by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, Cena has his five moves of doom, but he's not a shitty worker. Guy is, guy is good in the ring, gets the job done, and Rusev isn't a terrible worker either. The problem with Rusev is that Rusev hasn't established a pattern where he can carry his opponents in matches. You know, the bulk of it is the opponents putting him over and making him look good. But I do feel that the chemistry between them both is going to lead to a surprisingly good match. And I'll be honest, I feel that Cena's going to win the match and, you know, add some legitimacy to the U.S. title. And I have no problem with that because I do feel that the whole undefeated streak is a crutch. The truest test for a, for a dude that's supposed to be a badass is just being a badass all the time. And the problem with Rusev is some weeks he's like the cowardly heel. Other weeks he just comes out there and just kills everybody. And again, very disjointed booking for him as a persona. But I do feel that the guy being, you know, undefeated is a crutch. I mean, when WCW did it with Goldberg, it was different because he'd go out there and he was killing everybody, which was good. He was killing jobbers, mid-carters, main eventers. It, you know, it took a cattle prod from Kevin Nash for Goldberg to finally lose, but the loss actually made Goldberg a bigger enigma, a bigger a bigger fan favorite. And I think in Rusev's case, at any point, there's no disputing the fact that the guy is a monster and he's a scary dude. But I do feel that the crutch of him being undefeated just kind of forces him to work within the confines of that gimmick, which is stupid. You know, it's 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 you know it's it's crazy. That's it, it's crazy, but I know that logistically it's what works that's that's all i'm saying anyway we got a uh you know a backstage segment with dean ambrose of course this is the build-up for him and wade barrett squaring off at fast lane for the ic title again i do like the renewed focus on mid-card titles but i don't want it to be a one-and-done scenario on the contrary i do feel that the mid-card titles and i've said this before they should be the stepping stone to main event status and if anything, Wade Barrett and Dean Ambrose have the potential to also be a solid match. I think both guys have great potential, good workers. And I do feel that Wade Barrett's brute style 
complements Dean Ambrose's erratic, crazy, Brian Pillman-style offense. Now, again, if Dean Ambrose wins, which I think he's he's about due because it feels like he's been losing in every match he's been in, uh, if Dean Ambrose wins, I think it's going to really do a lot for the IC title. And I do feel that Wade Barrett might need, they might need to start transitioning Wade Barrett up into the upper card only because there really is a vacuum of credible guys up there. I'll be honest, I, 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 if anything, I would probably shelve Kane in the big show and maybe align Wade Barrett with the authority guys. Guy comes out with a suit. He becomes the new director of operations because Kane couldn't get the job done. And he just comes out and delivers bad news, you know. And I just feel that it's better because then you can kind of shuffle the deck a little bit. And he's already working with the authority, you know, kind of, sort of. So it would work in a, in a better capacity. Of course, they're not going to do that. But if Wade Barrett drops the title to Dean Ambrose, I got no issue with it. If Dean Ambrose loses, I mean, he's losing against a guy who's a solid opponent. But you can't keep Dean Ambrose on a losing streak for too long because the crowd is really, really invested into the character and the crowd is fickle. He doesn't have the crowd in the palm of his hand the same way that Daniel Bryan does. He's nowhere near that level. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be another match, much like Cena and Rusev, that people aren't paying a lot of attention to it, but it does have the potential to be very good. While we're on that subject, Dean Ambrose had a really good match with Luke Harper that I was I was really impressed with. Again, Luke Harper, even though the guy looks like, you know, a homeless rapist, um, the fact is that even though he looks like that, he is a, a, a really good worker. Uh, he has an incredible move set. He's incredibly agile for a larger framed wrestler. Um, really good chemistry. I think that his his program and his work with Dolph Ziggler was was definitely top of the food chain. I do feel that the tag matches that he had with the Usos along with uh, Eric Rowan were really, really promising. Uh, Luke Harper's a guy that if, if you book him right, you can create a brand new phenom, a brand new monster heel that, you know, oh, you're going to face your mystery opponent. And when Luke Harper comes out, you know, you can genuinely see that people are kind of freaked out by this guy with these vacant eyes that just looks like, you know, a guy that should be in a, in deliverance, you know, I think, I think in, in, in Luke Harper's case, um, his gimmick just needs a little bit more tweaking. I've always said, and, and a lot of people will agree that disbanding the Wyatt family so quickly, um, while it was good for Luke Harper, it was bad overall, because I feel that Luke Harper could have learned a lot more from Bray Wyatt, just from a promo standpoint. I do feel Luke Harper's promos leave a little bit to be desired, uh, but his work, his, his ugh, excuse me, his work rate for a bigger guy is tremendous. So, you know, we get a backstage segment, you know, with the authority pretty much imploding, which whatever I, I could give two shits. Like I said, it's just Kane in the big show doing more shit. Um, we did get some great promo work from Bray Wyatt. Of course, uh, the bulk of the, of the, uh, the dirt sheets pretty much are saying that Bray Wyatt's uh, cutting these promos in a buildup to a match with the undertaker for WrestleMania. Make of that what you will. Um, with regards to the undertaker and his physical condition, I've heard different things. Some people say good. Some people say bad. Other people say he looks like doc from back to the future. At the end of the day, it doesn't even matter because the undertaker is in, even, even if you book him as a special attraction at this point, 
you're going to need to put him in a match with a guy that can shoulder the load of of the story. And I think Bray Wyatt's a better opponent for that. Like, as much as people want to see The Undertaker and Sting, it would be, like, and I've said this before, an injustice to both guys' careers and legacies to put them in there and let them fucking try and, and, and put together a decent match. Bray Wyatt is a good worker. I think he's safe, and he will really make The Undertaker look good. And even still, if you're trying to if you're trying to put somebody over, The Undertaker putting over Bray Wyatt shouldn't be a stretch by any means because Bray Wyatt's promo work has definitely made him a commodity in the upper card. Again, if you disagree, feel free to share your thoughts and I'll gladly read them on air. All right, so Goldust and Stardust took on the New Day. Um, I actually went to the bathroom during this match. Hate to say it, New Day. I'm tired of them shucking and jiving, fucking Biggie Langston channeling his 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 inner Al Sharpton, his inner Jesse Jackson. I'm tired of it. You got three talented guys that are pigeonholed in a gimmick that is essentially something that you see on, on Channel 5 Sunday mornings at 9. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, this is wrestling, not fucking Sister Act. I don't give a shit. I don't care that it's a new day and you fucking got your little fucking rag, you know, fucking Biggie Langston shaking his little fucking towel around and shit, fucking shucking and jiving, just real stupid. It's like you're a 300-pound behemoth and they got you out there. It's like why doesn't somebody just that fucking play, you know, it's like an organ grinder. Just give Biggie Langston fucking cymbals and have Kofi Kingston grind the organ at this point. It's an embarrassment to all three of those guys. And it bothers me because Xavier Woods, who's been on My Take Radio, you guys that have heard the episodes that he's been on know that he's well-spoken, articulate, talented, uh, funny. The guy knows his shit, and he's going out there essentially playing the organ grinder with the, re- with the other two. It's stupid, and, it, and, it's, and it's tiresome. I've said it before, and I've said it again. If you're, and, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, and I'll say this once and once only, if you're the wrong shade of black, you're going to be in a shitty gimmick. I hate to say it, but it's true. If 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 you're the wrong, everybody goes, yeah, but The Rock was a champion. Yes, because The Rock was a shade or two darker than me. If you're the color of this fucking phone stand, you're not going to be the champion. Hate to say it. When Mark Henry was at the top of the uh, at the top of his game, they could have given him the belt and nobody would have batted an eye. But instead, you know, Mark Henry goes to feuding with the big show for fucking three months, at which point I watch paint dry. Give me a break. Of course, this entire match was a catalyst for Goldust and Stardust to break up, which we knew it was going to happen. Um, Dusty Rhodes showed up, and obviously, as soon as I heard Dusty Rhodes was going to be there, I said the heel turn is imminent. And Cody Rhodes' uh, post-match promo with Dusty was really, really good. I do feel that Stardust is one of the characters that if Goldust were to retire, I do think that, um, you know, Stardust can carry that gimmick. And, you know, it would work. Val says that's why Booker T only had the belt like twice. This is true, but Booker T had had what I like to call the hand-me-down belt. The WCW belt was never viewed as any as anything significant. Vince had that belt for the brand split. Vince didn't give a shit. 
He probably would have preferred that Booker T put the belt on a fucking chain and wear it around his neck because he didn't give a shit about that belt. That belt was a placeholder and nothing more. Everybody's like, yeah, but you know, um, so-and-so was a champion. Yes, so-and-so was a champion for any belt that wasn't the WWE championship. Like, you know, um, here's a good example. Uh, what the hell is that guy? Ezekiel Jackson. Ezekiel Jackson was the last, last champion of ECW. Keyword, the last champion of ECW. Oh, Bobby Lashley was a champion. Bobby Lashley never held the world, the WWE title ever. Hate to tell you, but no. Oh, Mark. Nope. Sorry. Again, it's and it's not even racial bias. It's just it just it is what it is. You know. Plain is plain and simple. You know. I'll say I'll say this, and and this is the thing that gets me. Val Val says, "Who you guys? You guys don't remember Ezekiel Jackson or Big Zeke? Um, he was he was an ECW for a minute. He kind of uh, he used to come out with Brian Kendrick, I remember. And um, again, a guy who who had all the tools. He was big. He was jacked. And uh, yeah, no." <laughs> not happening ECW champion that's what he was the final ECW champion again revisionist ECW not the original ECW and you know this goes back to even when Ahmed Johnson Ahmed Johnson said in an interview that he was supposed to win the belt and something happened and then before you know it Ahmed Johnson never won the belt these are these are the facts Ezekiel Jackson is on Lucha Underground that is correct Lucha Lee he is uh big Rick down there. And again, um, you know, you look at these guys and you see, oh, this guy's going to be good. That guy's going to be good. And it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Like I'll give you guys, I'll give you guys an example. I think you're going to see we've seen or we're going to see more Samoan champions than African American champions. Period. It, it, I, I, it's easier to, to, to take a Samoan champion than an African-American champion. It's just, it's just the way it is. And people, they get bent out of shape and this is just the culture of what's going on, you know? And, and we could talk about the race thing all the time, but you see it every week. Like, why can't you just be a badass African-American wrestler? No, because you know, you gotta, you gotta be. You gotta be, um, you gotta be that guy. You gotta be, you know, the 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 guy that 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 raps, or the guy that's, you know, the, the urban culture, or or the gospel singer. The, the thing, let, let's think about it. Ernest the Cat Miller, James Brown gimmick. Um, Bobby Lashley, basically black Brock Lesnar. Uh, Mark Henry, closest guy to the to 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 breaking through, never did. Booker T, he survived being uh, Shane McMahon's henchman, and then he went to King Booker, which was probably the best Booker T gimmick, and then he kind of just faded, you know, he, he, he retired. So you go down the list of, of, of these wrestlers, and most of them you're like, yeah, no. Now Val, 
Val makes something interesting. He a uh, very interesting point. He says, "Look, honestly, with the exception of like The Rock and Booker T, most black wrestlers are lacking in the mic department. Period." Na- and then he adds, "Name one good black wrestler on the mic." Lucha Lee then says, and I quote, "Mark Henry should have been champ. He should have taken the strap from Cena after his fake retirement speech." Yes. Lucha Lee adds that uh, Xavier Woods is great on the mic, though he's still young in the WWE. Um, I got to say, African-American wrestlers that are good on the mic, uh, D'Angelo De Niro, a.k.a. The Pope, good on the mic. MVP, good on the mic. Uh, Booker T, good on the mic. Xavier Woods, good on the mic. Big E Langston, if he wasn't fucking channeling Jesse Jackson, he's pretty good on the mic, and you can watch his NXT work to validate that. Our truth when he when he officially became our truth in TNA, when he won the belt in TNA when TNA first started, that was the top of the food chain. Our truth in TNA was tremendous. Shelton Benjamin athletic as a motherfucker. Mike work dog shit. Him, Kofi Kingston, same guy. I always feel that Kofi Kingston is just Shelton Benjamin in a suit, in a skin suit. Because they're essentially the same wrestler. I hate to say it, but it's true. Shelton Benjamin and Kofi Kingston are essentially the same guy. And it's not even a black thing. It's just they're the same guy. <laughs> That's it. They are they are essentially the same guy. And, and again, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, oh, well, African-American performers need to step up. No. Because Mark Henry, again, is a prime example. The guy's been there how many fucking years? You had to erase sexual chocolate. You had to you had to erase a dozen shitty gimmicks. When he finally introduced the Hall of Pain gimmick, that's when he finally was at the top of his game. Val then adds that R-Truth killed his chances once he started rapping his own intro. Well, in the WWE, yeah, but when he was in TNA, like if you look up, I believe he defeated Ken Shamrock for the belt. Um, and, and like I said, his work in TNA was real good. I was like, wow, is that the same guy? I remember that at that time he was kind of beefing with John Cena for real. And, um, you know, it just made for an interesting character, a really, really interesting character. And, um, you know, Shad Gaspard and JTG, again, good workers that we never really learned if their mic work was good, and that was primarily because they were a sideshow act. Now, the primetime players, I do feel that that Titus O'Neil is very, very good on the mic and incredibly underrated. I think that Titus O'Neil, if I had to say, name three African-American wrestlers on the roster who would make good champions within the next three years, I'd say Biggie Langston, Titus O'Neil, and Mark Henry, easily. And the reason I say this is for three reasons. Number one, Titus O'Neil is a big dude, incredibly athletic, well-spoken, and and just does really good work in the community. He's a guy that you could make the face of a company. Um, Mark Henry, enough said. Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel Jackson. Big E Langston, again, another guy. Solid. Somebody's just sent me a text. What about David Otunga? First of all, David Otunga, I didn't even know still had a job. 
I didn't know that dude had a job until like two weeks ago. They're like, yo, David Otunga's on TV. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why does David Otunga have a job? Why? He was the worst. When he would slurp that coffee cup with John Laurinaitis, I wanted to jump through the screen and kill him. Legitimately kill him dead because he was the worst. Lucha Lee says, is Little Jimmy still on the roster? I don't think he was officially released. Um, Little Jimmy is JTG. He is the new JTG. So Little Jimmy will continue to be on the roster till the end of days. Val adds, another issue is that wrestlers on the main card get no creative control. Yes and no, and I'll tell you why. When Titus O'Neil, Titus O'Neil pitched breaking up the primetime players to Vince McMahon, and allegedly his argument was so good that they said, all right, let's give it a shot. But if you fail, it's on you. And they let him, they let him, they let him do it. But again, Titus O'Neil needs a little bit more time. He probably needed at least two tag team runs as the prime, as the primetime players. Then you break him up. Then after you do that, then you start transitioning him into that upper card. You know, you start putting him in the bad news Barretts against the bad news Barretts, the Sheamuses. You know, those guys, but in competitive matches, not shame is running out, kicking him in the face and leaving. <laughs> Val says that David Otunga set the black roster back 20 years. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, moving on. So Roman Reigns faced Kane in his match and it was fucking dog shit. Complete dog shit. Um... You know, we knew that we knew that Kane was going to eat eat the spear, which he did. Um, I did like the one-upmanship of uh, Daniel Bryan and and Roman Reigns. It was nice because it was a good way to acknowledge that Daniel Bryan continues to be the most popular guy on your roster. Page squared off against Summer Rae, and of course the the big get was the naked Page hashtag that was trending because of course the Bellas did the most the most. Uh, perfect thing and stole her clothes which of course led to page robbing a rosebud of clothes and uh yeah so it was it was what it was summer ray is just dog shit i'm like oh this chick still has a job oops that's all i said when i saw her um seth rollins cut an awesome promo i like that dolph ziggler said oh you know seth rollins didn't have a good valentine's day and everybody was just like oh but again Dolph Ziggler, master of improv, did a really, really good job with that. I thought it was a tremendous exchange. I liked the way that the promo set up the match. Um, you know, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler let the, you can let those motherfuckers wrestle on on multiple mat. You know, multiple matches. Those guys are can probably be your you know your future Triple H and Rock. You know, and um, it it's crazy. I really feel that that Ziggler and Rollins chemistry is incredibly underrated and they have really good matches together. I was like, wow, this is a a badass match. And, um, you know, again, it just shows that when you when you take two talented performers and put them in there and give them something good to work with, uh, they really deliver great matches. And I do agree. Slick said J and J fucked up a fantastic match. This is true. J&J security, they have their purpose, but the problem is that sometimes J&J security hold back Seth Rollins from being an even better heel because what happens is that he's uh, 
He's very that you know you fluctuate from being a badass heel to having these two stooges, and you know it kind of waters down the character. But overall, I did feel Ziggler and and Rollins have tremendous tremendous chemistry. Triple H comes out to do the hard sell for Fastlane with uh, Sting and Trip and uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair. Uh, pretty good setup, of course. Um, the build up for this is is gonna be is gonna be interesting because obviously it's going to um, it's going towards you know the build up for WrestleMania, and I have no problem with it. I think Nate Nate's involvement was really a waste of time. Uh, the only good thing out of it is that you know. Triple H said a very, very interesting line during that exchange. And Triple H said that, you know, Sting is WCW, I am the WWE. And I laughed when I saw that, when I heard that, because I said Triple H has probably been dying to say that line for the last five years. Because the amount of passion and aggression when he said it, it's just like this is a dude that believes his fucking hype and he knows that he is the backbone of this company when Vince fucking kicks the bucket. And, um, you know, it was a very interesting dynamic. And for those of you that have issue with Sting and Triple H, I think Triple H can carry Sting to a very, very good match. I just feel that it's five years too late, like Val just said. Um, We'll see what happens. Obviously, Sting, the good thing is that they're using Sting the right way, not having him out there, not having him wrestle. Like I said a couple of weeks back, um, you know, Sting's hairline is like back here. So, you know, when he puts on the face paint and the face paint pretty much goes up his forehead and goes to the middle of his head, it's like Sting isn't exactly a spring chicken. And, um, you know, for, for, for to have him out there and pretty much have him show his age just, you know, with HD, with HD TV and just having him move in the ring, it's better that you're doing all the, uh, the theatricality because then you can have him and Triple H build up a good match for WrestleMania. Again, don't expect a five-star match. It's not going to happen. But I do think Triple H can carry him to at least a, a, a solid, you know, three-star match. We'll see what happens. I've always felt that Sting was a, was a great storyteller. So I think that's going to be a good dynamic for the match. But, um, yeah, Sting still does look better than The Undertaker. This is true. But, you know, The Undertaker's Doc, it's your kids, Marty. Your kids, where's Paul Bearer with my urn? Like, that's pretty much it. That's uh, The Undertaker is essentially Doc Brown. All those 2015 Back to the Future posters you've been seeing, that's because The Undertaker is going to reprise his role and help Marty. That's that's why you're not going to see him at, at WrestleMania. <laughs> Simple as that. All right, so this was actually interesting because... Um, Darren Young comes out with a with this guy, and the guy's announced as his partner, which initially it took me a moment. I had to do a double take when I heard that. It's like, oh, Darren Young and his partner. And obviously, you know, Darren Young uh, acknowledging his sexual orientation. I was like, oh, shit, are they acknowledging that as a gimmick? But they didn't. It was just, it was just interesting. Um, of course, the Ascension come out and try and beat up Darren Young, and there's a save by Titus O'Neil. Now, of course... The beauty of that is that I said, wow, you're putting the primetime players back together. And I thought about it and I said, holy shit, maybe the tag team division won't be a clusterfuck like it's been for the past couple of months. And I'll say this, the primetime players were definitely um, some of the some of the uh, some of the better tag teams 
that they that they could work with. You know, like don't get me wrong, the Ascension, love them or hate them, they're part of the tag team division. But at least if you have a couple of different teams and solid opponents, we don't have to see the same shit every week. I, you know, Titus O'Neil needs this, and so does Darren Young. Darren Young's a solid wrestler. Titus O'Neil, like I said, is good, but again, you have a good worker and a good guy on the mic. So if you put them together, you get one complete wrestler. The primetime players definitely need at least one tag team title run, and then you can kind of see where they're where they're building from. You know, that like I always feel that the primetime players was they were when they were at the top of the food chain and they were over and everybody was doing the dance and and all this shit, they really didn't maximize how over they were at the time. Hopefully, you know, they can erase that mistake and do something with them. We shall see what happens. Damian Mizdow took on Wade Barrett, which we knew was going to end with pretty much the Miz costing Mizdow the match. I'm sure this is going to lead to the inevitable WrestleMania match between Miz and Mizdow, which is fine. Like I said, though, the true question is what happens to Mizdow after this feud is over. Jimmy Uso and Naomi took on Tyson Kidd and Natalia. Of course, this is more Total Diva shit. Wash, rinse, and repeat. And, of course, the last match of the evening was Daniel Bryan and The Big Show, which was surprisingly not complete shit, but a match that we've seen a dozen times before. Of course, Roman Reigns interferes, caused Daniel Bryan the match, leads to Daniel Bryan drop-kicking the shit out of him, both guys beating the shit out of each other, and, uh, yeah, that was it. I mean, like I said, it was it was a very very uh me it was a mild ending, and you know when you're building up a pay per view, I'm like, all right, so I'm supposed to buy the pay per view just based off of that, and it really did a poor job of selling the pay per view, the the end of uh, the end of Raw, but obviously we're all gonna see it anyway. I did watch NXT. Um, I didn't finish watching it. The only thing I did want to say is that seeing Rhino on NXT gore the shit out of somebody really made me feel, it made me feel bad for Roman Reigns. It's like Roman Reigns is out there hitting dudes with the spear and that's funny, but Rhino hitting you with the gore is fucking legit. Like Roman, it's like, Oh, Roman Reigns with the spear. And it's like, no Rhino with the gore seeing that on NXT. I mean, if Rhino's going to be in NXT to help some of the older, the younger guys get over, I got no problem with that. I think Rhino's still a great worker, and I'm sorry. Nobody delivers the spear like Rhino. You could call it the spear, the gore, whatever the case may be. Nobody does that shit better than Rhino. And like Jay just said, Rhino back on the low is really cool, and that's what I liked. Like they didn't go, they didn't go full bore with it, but it was good to see him. And I think that that using those guys in that capacity is really, really good. Slick says that Goldberg's spear was number one in my book. You know what the thing was with Goldberg's spear? It depended on on the guy that was taking it. the The guy that took the spear would it would in essence make the spear look good because I remember when Goldberg speared the Rock. The Rock sold that shit like he got hit by a semi versus when Rhino gored Chris Jericho through the SmackDown screen, you know, when he was doing the run in in, in WWE, WWE the first time. I really felt that I'm like, wow, that's legit. 
And the thing is that in Rhino's case, Rhino has such a low center of gravity that when he does it, he actually is able to come out and really deliver it with a lot of impact. Like I said, I liked it. I thought it was really cool. And it was, like I said, very, very refreshing seeing Rhino there. Um, you, you know, I again, we'll see what happens. I don't know if we'll see Rhino on the main roster, but um, seeing him on NXT definitely was very cool. Enzo Amore and Big Cass with Carmella took on the Vaude Villains. Uh, very solid match. Again, you know, Enzo and, and Big Cass, they need all the help they can get from a from a wrestling standpoint. Promo-wise, though, Enzo Amore is a fucking animal. Nobody's nobody's touching that guy on the mic because he he's in a league of his own. And um, you know, as for Big Cass, I think Big Cass needs uh some some good some some better ring work. Um, he definitely has tremendous potential. He's a guy that definitely can become a modern day Kevin Nash with Enzo being a modern day Shawn Michaels. But um, we'll see what happens. I'm a big fan of the Vaude Villains gimmick. I would like to see the Vaude Villains on the main roster because, you know, the black and white of the screen, the old style music. I think the crowd can really get into that. Um, again, we'll see what happens. But I do feel that the Vaude Villains definitely are very cool. Even if, um, you know, Simon Gotch and, and Aiden English are essentially Eddie Guerrero and Pale Cesaro. But that's a, that's a story for another day. Um, Sasha Banks took on Blue Pants, which was Leva Bates. Uh, very, very solid match. I do feel that um, Sasha Banks, it's good that she got the belt. I do feel that she can carry the division. She's a good worker. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fan of her looking like a hood rat, like a chick you see in Corona on the weekends. But um, the gimmick has its place. Like I said, in terms of the roster, it's definitely very unique. Um, You know, she definitely, uh, like I said, very, very hood. I feel like she uh, reminds me of a lot of chicks I went to high school with. But to carry the roster, I wouldn't put the belt on anyone else. I think that when Bailey finally wins the belt, which I've talked about before, she's going to have her Daniel Bryan moment, which would be very cool. And, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, Bailey should have got the belt. No, Bailey benefits more from being the chase from chasing the title. Because like I said, when she finally wins it, it's going to be bittersweet for all parties involved. Again, we shall see what happens now. Of course, uh, Kevin Owens took on Adrian Neville in an amazing fucking match. Everybody's like, yeah, you know, uh, Adrian Neville, he's all right, depending, because Sami Zayn made him look really good. I, I, Kevin Owens and and fucking this guy, Adrian Neville, really was insane. It was a tremendous match. It actually, it actually, to a degree, was even better than Owens' match with Sami Zayn. Of course, weren't. It's not the last match we'll see between those guys, but Owens, man, it was just a, an awesome, awesome match. Um, definitely had shades of what we saw at NXT Rival, but I do like the chemistry that Adrian Neville had with Kevin Owens. Again, with the uh, the signing of Samoa Joe, which I'll address later on, um, I do think that NXT continues to to really, really be a driving force for WWE. And we're going to discuss that um, in detail later on in the segment. Um, For the rest of the wrestling news of the week, I kind of want to get into that a little bit and acknowledge a couple of things. Uh, First off, 
I got to wish a speedy recovery to Eddie Edwards, who actually broke his foot during one of TNA's one-night-only pay-per-view uh, tapings. I was really bummed about that. I feel that, you know, Eddie Edwards and, um, you know, the, the American Wolves as a tag team are tremendous for TNA. Um, you know, I just, like I said, I was bummed out when I heard that. Hopefully, uh, Eddie Edwards say that uh, Val, I'm confused. I'll wait for Val to answer. Anyway, as I was saying, you know, the American Wolves, when they were when they were in NXT and everybody was talking about them being signed, I was really, really excited. And when they went to TNA and started really having great matches, um, I was I was just, you know, I, w- I really had a lot of hope that they would be the flag bearers for the company. But, you know, alas, injury once again derails the push. Davey says... Uh, uh, San- Jay Santi says at least it wasn't Davey this time, which is true. Davey Richards stays getting hurt. The guy is straight Mr. Glass. Oh, the Samoa Joe signing. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. It's not, it's not, nothing has happened with that valve, but we'll, but we'll get into that. And I'll tell you why later on. Um, again, uh, Eddie Edwards, the only, the only blessing in disguise with Eddie Edwards being injured is that Davey Richards, you could give him a singles run. And um, no, well, I'm going to talk about his departure, but also about uh, signing opportunities. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for that. I'll get into that in a moment. As I said, I would like to see I would like to see Davey Richards get a singles run. I think his singles run in Ring of Honor um, was really, really good. And while, again, I'd love to see the, you know, the American Wolves hold it down as a tag team, I do feel Davey Richards, uh, as a singles competitor, would be good for the company. Again, with the departure of Samoa Joe, um, this is a this is a great opportunity for people to step up, and we're going to get into that in a moment. Now, I read an interesting post from Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer message boards uh, talking about the frustration of the superstars on the main roster and with the NXT workers and just the NXT product. According to what David Meltzer wrote, he said that um, the main roster is frustrated because they're not able to work better matches on Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-view because NXT workers get more time. He said that NXT talents are frustrated because they're not able to move up to the main roster. So, again, there's frustration on equal sides, but I'm going to acknowledge this uh, in two parts. First of all, the WWE roster being frustrated about not having enough TV time, it's 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 a it's a double-edged sword. First of all, they're at the mercy of television programming, meaning commercials and everything else. The other thing is that if there really is that level of frustration, then it should be voice to management. You it, it doesn't take much to say, "Hey Vince, you know, these uh, you know, there's a lot of issues in the locker room." The people are concerned that they're not getting enough TV time, not being able to tell stories, whatever the case may be. And on the NXT side, you know, it's like these guys want to get called up to the main roster. But here's the thing. Nikki Bella said at a uh, she said at Wizard World Comic Con something that's really crazy. She said this. um, She said, if I was in NXT, I wouldn't want to come up to the main roster either because you get so much time down there. If you come to the live events, you'll see we get a lot of time at the live events. But when it comes to TV, it's hard to tell a story in three minutes. 
And, you know, for, for Nikki Bella to acknowledge that publicly kind of puts a little weight behind what Dave Meltzer said. I mean, a lot of people are always going to question his sources. And, um, you know, Jay himself says, I don't believe that shit. And um, the thing that got me was that when I read that, I'm like, eh. But then when I saw that Nikki Bella acknowledged that in a non-wrestling setting, you know, at Wizard World, it shows that there's definitely a, a, a situation brewing uh, between both rosters. And I do agree. I mean, yes, they do. They do have shorter amounts of time. They got three minute matches. But again, even if NXT had less time, the quality of wrestling is just better. It's just better wrestling. If you give the guys in NXT five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, they're putting on better matches than the five minute matches that guys put on on the main roster. You know, and Slick makes a valid point. NXT has to have longer matches. They have fewer people. Yes. But like I said, the other side of the coin is the fact that the NXT has better fucking wrestling. There's better creative and there's better storytelling. You got three hours of television on Monday nights. Vince rewrites that shit 17 times before the show goes on air and you're at the mercy of a 30-man creative team. That, that These are the facts. If there are any issues whatsoever between either roster, they can be rectified by, by either allowing the guys on the main roster to have longer matches, which really just means less time recapping shit that happened th- 30 minutes ago, or the guys on the main roster need to watch how NXT guys work and 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 start taking note you know jay says it is true but the work comes with experience and the main roster knows when to turn it on um you know what it is that's true jay but you also got to remember when they did the, when they did TLC it was right after that NXT um event that they did that the takeover event and that card was complete shit because the, the, the roster had zero motivation. There was zero motivation in that pay-per-view. I watched that pay-per-view again just because I was bored. I had it playing while I was getting ready for work. And I said to myself, wow, you just see that these guys weren't motivated because they didn't have that fire in their belly. You know, they don't. They didn't have that fire in their belly. It's like what a, a, one, a guy I know, he said to me a couple of days ago. He goes, you know what the problem is? The guys that are on the main roster are comfortable. The guys on NXT are scrapping, they're fighting, they're clawing because they want that opportunity. They're hungrier, like Slick said. And it's true. It's it's a very interesting situation on both sides. And I do see both arguments, but I do have to say that time, time and ability are two different things because the NXT roster wrestles better. The NXT roster wrestles better than the main roster. Better. It the only the you can count on on one hand how many times. See, Jay goes there. Why, there that's why I don't believe anyone is complaining. They're comfortable. You know what the problem is, Jay? Nikki Bella fucking fucked up by saying that. She said it. She and and she said I didn't finish reading what she said. She said, "Um, 
you get a lot of TV time on on TV. We get so frustrated because it's hard to tell a story in three minutes, especially when they want an entrance. We want time to wrestle. She said after watching NXT rival and seeing them go 20 minutes, it's like a dream. It's something we love and we're trying so hard to get more time. There's a three hour raw and you can't give more time to the divas, but hopefully that'll change in the future. Nikki Bella's over here talking about wanting to give the divas more time. It doesn't matter giving the divas five minutes or 15 minutes when half of them wrestle like shit. If you look at NXT's divas, they can all wrestle. It's not all hair pulling and bullshit. It is wrestling. That's it. You know? Simple as that. And and that's the thing that gets me. That I you can when Nikki Bella acknowledges it, that means there's a problem. And Val Val says Nikki Bella couldn't wrestle a good match in three minutes. You know what I uh, Val? I don't think you were listening the night that I said that the Bella twins are in that transitional period, like Trish Stratus was when Trish Stratus was going from valet to wrestler. That she her wrestling wasn't developed. The Bellas don't get me wrong; they're de- they're not great, but they're not as terrible as they were a while back. You know, Jay says uh, Nikki can say that about the Divas, but the male roster doesn't have that issue. No, what the male roster has is 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 a mixture of poor workers and recycled matches. The time issue isn't there for the for the male roster. The male roster stuck with terrible creative. That's what the male roster stuck with. Terrible create terrible creative teams for for the male roster. <laughs> Val says the Bellas have been in that transition period for like five years. Well, you know what it is? That transition period also saw, I think they had Kidman, they had Fit Finley first, then they had Kidman. I don't even know who does the booking for the Divas now, but whoever it is is doing a shit job. That I can say. But um, again, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, I, I really feel that even though people want Raw to be as good as NXT, I want NXT to remain being. I want NXT to continue being special because it makes the it makes the owning of the network unique. You know, you see all these guys develop, you see all these guys on the come up, and then you appreciate their work more because you know they're hungry and they're happy to be there. And that's something that, you know, no amount of TV time is going to is going to take away. You see the excitement. You see the excitement in the audience. You see the excitement in the wrestlers. When guys like Finn Balor go out there and kill it with Adrian Neville for 20-plus minutes, people appreciate that. The wrestlers appreciate it because they're learning from each other to be better performers. And on top of that, matches like that, when those guys get to the main roster, they're going to make everybody step their game up. You don't think that guys are looking at Finn Balor and they're like, yo, this guy's going to come up here and take our spot. Yeah, yeah, the fuck he is. He is. Oh, look at Adrian Neville. That little fucking guy thinks that he's the shit because he is. If you told me, hey, I have a choice between Adrian Neville and Adam Rose. Adam Rose, you're fired. If you had a choice between Finn Balor and Sheamus. Sheamus, you're all right, but you got to go. You know? It's it, It's just... It's just it's crazy to me, you know, like there's like people, people want NXT and they want raw to be the same. 
and it's never going to happen because it's it's run by two different people. Triple H runs NXT, Vince runs Raw. The day that Triple H runs Raw, everyone's going to notice. Everyone's going to notice when Triple H is running Raw. Simple as that. Anyway, let's um I just want to give you guys my my picks for the uh Fast Lane pay-per-view before we get through uh the rest of the news. Uh Triple H and Sting are going face to face. Nothing there. Goldust and Stardust allegedly are going to square off. Uh, that might be a spoiler, so take it for what it's worth. Uh, the Usos are going to take on Cesaro and Kid. I definitely think that Cesaro and Kid should get the belts, but I don't see it happening. Uh, Dean Ambrose is getting the IC title. Paige is getting the Divas title, and I do think that John Cena is going to derail Rusev, and obviously Roman Reigns is going to win. Uh, Daniel Bryan is going to make him strong, though. You know, just in, just in case... Daniel Bryan is going to make Roman look real strong heading to WrestleMania. But uh, yeah, those are, those are my picks. Uh, Jim, I got to talk about Jim Ross briefly. If, if you don't read Jim Ross's blog, uh, do yourselves a favor and hit subscribe. It's a very, very good blog. And Jim Ross has tremendous insight into certain things. Um, he, he posed a very, very interesting scenario involving Brock Lesnar. And he said, uh, sources are saying that it looks more and more promising that Brock Lesnar will stay with WWE past WrestleMania due to the long-term health effects of competing in MMA, specifically concussion-oriented issues later in one's lifespan. There are sources that are fairly reliable that are saying that depending on how the match goes at WrestleMania 31, one thing is certain. If the UFC believes, and rightly so, that CM Punk will sell pay-per-views, then... They will definitely try and make an aggressive push for Brock Lesnar. I I do feel that Brock Lesnar is going to probably go back to the UFC, but if he does go back, he probably will go back with a with a five fight deal or a four fight deal. And after it's done, he's going to come back to the WWE because it is less rigorous. On top of the fact that you know Jim Ross made a valid point about long term health effects, and after Brock Lesnar's diverticulitis issues. And who knows what else may be going on. You know, I do think that Brock Lesnar should continue being a special attraction. Like I've said before, on par with The Undertaker. As for having him champion and shit like that, not necessary. But definitely on a from a special attraction standpoint, there is something there that can definitely be done. And in any case, the the next big thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, announcement that Samoa Joe was departing TNA. Uh, he made the announcement on Twitter and pretty much all signs point to it being about money. Uh, TNA wanted to re-sign him for substantially less money than what he was making, much like they did with AJ Styles. Of course, Samoa Joe did not agree and they parted amicably. Now, of course, once that announcement was made, a lot of superstars went out of their way to obviously say good things about Samoa Joe. Um, it was funny that Samoa Joe's announcement, uh, Paul Heyman, he just wrote, hmm, right after, which was kind of cool. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin pretty much said outright that WWE should sign Samoa Joe. And, um, you know, a lot of people are saying that they want to see Samoa Joe get an NXT tryout. Now, a lot of people are saying that while Triple H would love to get Samoa Joe, uh, Vince McMahon has little interest in signing Samoa Joe. Now, 
of course, none of this surprises me because obviously there's a different type of approach between both guys. But I will say this. I think Triple H um, signing Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe going to NXT would lead to some amazing wrestling. I think that Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Hideo Itami alone, plus Adrian Neville, well, plus Adrian Neville would pretty much make NXT the must-see program on television. Now, of course, a lot of people were were quick to say, oh, well, you know, WWE's not going to sign Samoa Joe because he's fat. Okay, so Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen wasn't exactly winning any beauty pageants either. You know, but the fact is, it's called conditioning and diet. And if you want it bad enough, you'll make the change. Think about it. Kevin Steen was a bigger dude when he wrestled in Ring of Honor. And as time went on and, and you know, you change your diet and your lifestyle and everything else, you get healthy. Kevin Steen is probably in, in, in the best shape I've seen with him in, in Ring of Honor. I mean, in uh, WWE. Same thing could happen with Samoa Joe. So before you jump on your high horse, oh, Samoa Joe's fat. They're not going to sign him. Or Samoa Joe only does spots. You try being 280 pounds and doing a spin wheel kick and get back to me. You know? It's 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 a very, very interesting time. Honestly, Samoa Joe going to New Japan Pro Wrestling is probably a shoe-in. It's probably the easiest thing they could do. They could probably make him part of the Bullet Club. But who knows? Jay says, name an original TNA wrestler to sign with WWE. Our truth. <laughs> Our truth, damn it. Our truth is who I'm naming. <laughs> Val says Samoa Joe gained a lot of weight since his debut in TNA, probably because he didn't get any gym time. You know what the thing is? I, I always look at work rate before body type because, again, it's just a matter of changing diet and changing conditioning. And who knows? Maybe he just felt that, yo, I could go out there and have great matches. Fuck how I look. And, um, you know, to each his own. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's just interesting. Mick Foley actually put on Facebook. He said, I'd love to see Samoa Joe in the WWE as a proven commodity given a new surrounding and possibly a new look could be good for both Joe and the WWE. I remember running into Triple H and Stephanie at an airport in 2004 and mentioning that I was on my way to a Ring of Honor show. Triple H went out of his way to say that he'd heard that Samoa Joe was a hell of a worker. Hopefully Joe will get a chance to show WWE just how impressive he can be in person. There you have it. Jay definitely stands by his assessment that it's not happening. Um... I will say this, if Samoa Joe goes to New Japan, you know, it's fine. But if he does go to WWE, NXT just got a serious fucking boost. Again, this is this is, you know, me me as a fan. I'd love to see it. Oh yeah, I know he was K K quick first, Jay. I'm just pulling your chain. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I know, I know. But um, you know, like I said, I'd love I'd love to see Samoa Joe get the opportunity. I mean, if, if if Kevin Steen could get the opportunity, I could see Joe getting the opportunity. It's just a matter of, again, if he chooses to do it. Um, a lot of people are saying that an, NX, an open tryout at NXT is a given for Samoa Joe. We'll see. We'll, again, we'll see how it unfolds. Um, he did put out a statement. 
And he said, uh, the reasons for my departure are varied and it's a laundry list. I wish no ill will towards TNA. Just sometimes you need to change the scenery. I'll be spending the next few days combing through the offers put before me, which I'm both a bit surprised and thankful for. According to the report, New Japan Pro Wrestling could be interested in picking up Samoa Joe. However, since so many talents are currently working in New Japan Pro Wrestling at the moment, it's possible the promotion may not go out of its way to pick up another one like Joe. Again, we'll see what happens. I I mean, I'd be shocked if Samoa Joe went to like Lucha Underground. You never know. But um, Samoa Joe going back to Ring of Honor definitely would work. And I mean, considering the talent Ring of Honor has currently, I have no problem with that. And again, wishful thinking would be NXT, but we'll just have to wait and see. All right, so before I wrap things up, there's two there's two scandal-ridden stories that I got to talk about. The first is involving China. If you guys remember last week, I said that China went on Vince Russo's podcast and said that Triple H abused her and uh, physically abused her. And it's interesting because the Wrestling Observer is reporting that Sean Waltman disputed that theory, X-Pac, saying that, um, you know, China recounted a story where she claimed that Triple H hit her when the two got into an argument. Um, Waltman later admitted that Triple H pushed China away, but he did not hit her. Waltman reportedly did not want to add further details because he did not want to get wrapped up in a mudslinging story with Triple H and China. He did say that the claim China made in her book where she was raped in college was not true. Per Waltman, China later told him that the claim was not true. He also denied what China said about him publicly when they were together. So there you have it. Of course, Sean Waltman uh, coming to Triple H's defense with regards to the allegation that he struck China. Again, you know, his side, her side, and the truth. But um, definitely something that is not good for WWE. Obviously, it's definitely uh, something that raises a red flag. But, of course, given China's uh, sporadic uh, craziness, uh, it, it might get swept under the rug. But still, it's it's definitely a, a hot topic at the moment and definitely not good for the company. On the flip side, I want to talk about uh, Zara Schreiber. Of course, we all know Zara Schreiber based on uh, Seth Rollins' Instagram. Of course, she was the girl whose naked pictures ended up on Seth Rollins' Instagram, of course, which led to the most famous uh, money-in-the-bank dick pic known to mankind. Um, In any case, they've uh, been discussing what her her role in NXT is going to be, and pretty much there's a rumor going around that they're going to pair her with Baron Corbin and that she's going to be Baron Corbin's manager or valet. Uh, take that for what it's worth. I do think, um, you know, based on the photos we've seen, uh, she definitely has the look of a WWE diva. I don't know if all the tattoos are going to go over well, but, um, you know, putting her with Baron Corbin, we'll see if that pans out. Uh, obviously, she's not getting released. So, you know, you guys can rest easy because I'm sure many of you right clicked and saved that photo as soon as it hit the Internet. But Again, something that we will be watching very, very closely. Like I said, excuse me, with Samoa Joe, either Ring of Honor, New Japan, or NXT. So we'll see how it pans out. And with that, that is actually going to wrap up the show 
for this week. Um, I see that we almost went into three hours and uh, the kids a little tired and I got to do some editing after, uh, you know, working on my fucking house earlier today. So uh, that is going to wrap things up. So let's take it away. You've just heard my take radio episode 274. Of course, tomorrow is the big one. Episode 275. Please join us. Uh, We'll be talking gaming and entertainment. Uh, Archived versions of this episode will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video versions of this episode will be available on both YouTube channels, Rageworks, uh, official Rageworks on YouTube, or My Take Radio TV. As always, Rageworks is, uh, My Take Radio is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network. Make sure to check out all our shows on rageworks.net, including The Buried Show, Black is the New Black, MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, and so many others. On behalf of myself, Slick, Ben, and the rest of the MTR Rageworks team, that is it. I will see you guys later. Thank you for your continued support. MTR 275 tomorrow. I am out of here. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. That's all, folks.